living for a living, baby. How you doing? <laughs> you hear me? Mic check one, two, one, two. Yep. Hey. Nice. What's up, bro? How you doing, bro? Oh, man, I'm doing good. Just, uh, well, shit, this is kind of bad lighting. That's I'm doing right. good. Just get back to the gym and shower. <laughs> is it uh, kind of normal life out there or what? Yeah, life is, uh, yeah, it's pretty normal right now. I mean, everybody's kind of, I feel like a little lax. I mean, you have to go in everywhere with a mask, but but when it comes to like the daily routine of things, I mean, everything is like it's back to normal. But the only thing is the, the lack of uh, tourism is big. So it's like a lot of shops have closed down and especially where I'm staying at in Phuket, very highly tourist area. So like the main area, Patong, it's all like, tumbleweeds going down the road empty <laughs> emptiness and stuff you know there's like there's still stuff going on but it's definitely like a lot of locals and stuff but i feel we're we're, we're kind of lucky because we stay in an area in phuket called Rawai, southern part of phuket and there's uh-huh. a lot of expats expats live around here so there's still kind of like a busy scene around here with the expats and people at the beach and a lot of russians and other folks like that Okay, nice. But the gym's open. That's like the biggest one for me right now. I'm I'm cool with everything else being shut down, but let me at least yeah, go yeah. to the gym, you know? Yeah, the gym, the gyms are open. The gyms are that was like the big concern because Muay Thai there's like a lot of people were coming out uh infected from the Muay Thai in April and May, but now it's like since there hasn't been any new cases for a few months, they say, all right, we're going to open the gyms up. As soon as the gyms opened up, they started letting people fight, you know, because, you know, Muay Thai is a pretty big thing. So they started Not true. at the beginning. It was just, just the fighters, the refs, and then the judges. And it was funny because when you watch the matches, the guys will come out in their little shields. It's like, all right, all right. being extra protective, even though we got to take those off to fight anywhere because we can't fight with those things on. I mean, that'd be crazy. And they had the referee. He had to wear it too. And then, like, as time went on, they downgraded Okay. Just a mask, and everybody understands where masks. But now everybody who's like, now they let anybody go into the, into the to the matches. So it's like it's not packed in their elbow, elbow, but it's like starting to get more and people are wearing a mask or or them on their chin or whatever just to show they have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The that's that's how <laughs> so, I've been yeah, with so. it. Like we have to in Czech Republic here. I think I I can't understand the news i don't watch any tv so i don't really know what oh yeah is, so that's tough. <laughs> you know the rules even are and so i heard we've spoke we've supposed to be wearing the mask like out anywhere and i'm just wearing it on the bus or like in the stores and stuff but even then like i'm letting my nose mm-hmm. breathe i'm, I'm getting yeah, like, yeah. i want to get a little fresh air you know and so um it's just it's crazy but yeah the no tourist Although that's kind of like a cool, like vibe, like to switch it up. I'm sure. I don't know. I'm gonna ask how long you've been out there, but when I was in mm-hmm. Barcelona for lockdown, it was the same kind of thing. Where you know that's a just tourist city, mm-hmm. but during lockdown, it was just you knew everybody there lived there. Maybe you know they're expats or whatever, and it just yeah, had this yeah, kind yeah. of good vibe because you know tourists can kind of suck at times, even though I know I am one. And yeah, yeah. there was just like an added respect to everybody because it's like, okay, 
you're supposed to be here. Like you're, maybe you're not from here, but you're, you're here, you know, yeah. and it's not you're, like. You're part of the, you're part of the community. So it's like a little bit more of added, like, oh, you know, I see, I seen you in the, in the grocery store a few times now. <laughs> like, I can trust you a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I met this Italian dude, like in the, in the corner store buying beer. And he was like, Hey, I saw you down by the, on the beach working out. Right. And I was like, yeah, you know, like that's kind of a crazy thing of like a city of a million or whatever to just mm -hmm. randomly run into someone and make that kind of connection. So I enjoyed the the switch up of that. But so you're in in Phuket. That's how I say it. Phuket with Phuket. The, yeah. Okay, yeah, Phuket. I know mm -hmm. the 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 phonetic way of English. You want to say almost fuck it, you know. <laughs> but um, how how'd you get yeah, out that's there, what bro? Say. I remember when the first time I. Uh, the first time it was kind of like a shot in the dark, really, because it was like me and my buddy. We wanted to like, oh, because I started like back in 2013. I had a little uh, destination waiting for a buddy in Dominican Republic, and that was like my first time having to bring out the passport for me. You know, I've always wanted to travel, but you know, I've only been to Canada, and Mexico growing up, and don't really consider those like too international. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. So my friend, when he's got when he's getting married in Dominican, you know, I got out there. I was like, oh, sweet, you know, the freedom to travel around, you know, and then went to other places, Japan and everything. And then Thailand was kind of like one of those places because I love like Muay Thai from movies like Ang Bak. I don't know if you've seen the movie. Oh Ang Bak. yeah, I, I've, I've, that's way back in the day. Yeah, Ang, that's like yeah. I'm not big into the kung fu, but that's like the one I know for sure. That's the one you know. <laughs> yeah. So that was like the big, like, kind of like, oh, okay, what's going on over here? This Muay Thai looks pretty bad, you know, pretty sweet, you know, these guys are pretty rough. And then, and I saw the, you know, the culture, the food, you know, we have a bunch of Thai restaurants in the States and they always try to that. I was like, it's stuff's fire, you know. <laughs> and then the ladies are looking, ladies look good too. So I was like, yeah, I can, I can we do some, let me check it out at least. So my friend set up a, a, a you know, this is during when I was still working at a, in the school district. So we went during in April. And my, I had my buddy set it up, you know, like we kind of just shot in the dark where, where in Thailand to go. Never heard of Phuket until we actually got there. And when we got, well, I I came by myself, ended up coming by myself because my friend got sick. So I was like, oh, snap, at last minute, okay, you're going by yourself. I was like, you know, oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm committed. I'm into yeah. this, you know, I'm like, this is going to be the furthest place I've ever gone in the world compared to, you know, from where I'm from. So I'm like, here we go. So we'll go out to Phuket, you know, very felt very lucky to be there because it was a lot of, it was a very good beach vibe that very beautiful beaches here you know you can do like island tours and then also during the time it was during their like new year festival it's like okay. a big water festival called Sunkra. okay and i had no and i had no idea what that was all about but people were like yeah Sunkra, you just you know everybody just goes on the street you know it's pretty much a big water gunfight you know you know everybody they got the, the ties are funny they just got these little hawaiian like floral shirts <laughs> And they only wear them for this time, <laughs> you know, three days out of the year. And then everybody's just very festive and happy. And I'm like, oh, this happens. Is this happen like this all the time? What is this like? <laughs> this is my first time here. This is like, oh, okay, I can do this. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was my first experience. And then after that, I came back the very next year with another friend. Well, with the actual, with somebody who came with me this time. So we had a great time and kind of added it up, been to other places. And then I was like, man, Thailand, I kind of, I kind of want to go out there and, you know, try if I can stay like an extended stay. So yeah. the first time I came out here was like for like a twenty day, twenty day stay with a buddy. Got into it, and then it was it, was, it wasn't like easy, but it was it was just like something like man, I could really, I can do it. I was like I always thought myself like different culture, different country might be difficult, but 
once you're here, you figure you figure things out for yourself. You're like, yeah, okay, I can I can do this. And then time and then time went by, and then all of a sudden in 2018, I was like, you know what, I'm about to just make that move and just come out here. I got my English teaching certificate because I was like, what am I gonna do? I gotta do something while I'm out here. Okay, like, yeah, I was I was gonna so, ask what 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 are you doing for a little bit of bread right now? And that's dude, that's you get that. Yeah. That's what my next step is getting that English. I was just doing some like English conversation kind of getting paid to do that out here. And it's like, you finish it and you're like, Oh my God, I'm just getting paid to have a conversation with somebody. This is lovely, you know, and it's fun to connect with people that way. So sorry, keep, keep Mm -hmm. going, man. No, that's, that's crazy. That's awesome. Yes. So yes, I just, so I did that in the beginning, you know, when I first, the first year had a couple of people, I tutored, uh, this girl, then a young, then another young, young kid. I was just, going just you know like you said having conversations with them having them read read to me and i read back to them you know basic things like that and then uh i kind of started thinking outside the box i was like man i could start i could probably you know start my own little business out here i mean i see they have a bunch of bars out here it's a very great destination place for tourism and everything and you know buying property out here is very affordable or renting property is very affordable so i was like oh man and then i started to meet mingle meet other people who are living out here and they're like yeah i got two houses you know work out half the year get make the money up during high season and then chill back or go back to their wherever they're from and do something you know wherever their job is back at home and then kind of go back and forth or or they just stay you know year round and they just take that to get the money from like their Airbnb, pretty much an airbnb setup or okay. own a bar or they own a bar with a lot of people don't have bars here and it's kind of like a big thing here and or whatever else so i was like okay let me try let me try this out because i have a house in cd in, in seattle that I do Airbnb, so get money off of that, and then I do just try to do the same thing here, you know. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I started my own business back in the states and brought it over here to Thailand. And and, and what, what's that business? It's pretty much just saying that uh, renting property out, okay, buying property, renting property, kind of like Airbnb kind of thing, but just putting a business name on top of it. So you know, you're, you're just not doing it through Airbnb, essentially. No, no, I'm just, there's other outlets out here you can use yep. different sites and realtors or do it yourself. Damn, so that's, that's kind of cool. just trying to keep myself out here as long as I can and you know, and I'm you know, just living. Yeah, you know? dude, I, yeah, I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> that's that was, I, was, I was so excited to get you on, you know, just from you know, obviously at some point I'd like to hear about the, the Bellevue days, but also because I mean, oh, yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. to myself, like, you know, I was you're a couple years older than me, but I can remember mm-hmm. that, that De La Salle, that first De La Salle runs the loudest I ever heard any fucking crowd ever, you <laughs> oh, yeah, know? And yeah. so I was like, damn, yeah, to be able yeah. to talk. And then on top of it, another dude who is just living abroad in a place, you know, I've, it's ironic. I just posted the Thailand blog today. I've been working on yeah, those that, yeah. from a couple years that, back and I haven't made mm-hmm. my way to uh, Phuket yet. I was just in Bangkok and, uh, another little island, Kosi Chang or something like that. And, okay. um, but like Thailand to me is like, I, I'm, I'm talking to a couple of my Thai homies like, yo, if you know of any, of any, you know, property or houses that are going for sale, but now I'm just thinking, I was like, shit, I know another guy who I can really talk to because talking to them sometimes <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. the translation gets lost a little bit. And so man, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Like what, what what excites you about being there or 
maybe excites you about not being in the States? Because that's what I always explain to people is, you know, I don't know if I like living in, I really enjoy living in Europe, but I also right now enjoy not being in the U.S. and just having a different experience. So how do you view that? I definitely, I mean, it's different, you know. I mean, growing up, it's, you know, from in Washington, Seattle, Washington, Bellevue, Washington, you know, we're from there. We know that, you know, in and out, back of the hand. I could, yeah. I could walk from, is I could walk to, from Issaquah all the way down to, like, Lakewood, Tacoma, if I wanted to, or, you know. Because you just, you just know, you've just been around there so much. You see everything, you've done it. And then I was fortunate enough, you know, my dad played played pro ball. So we we got to see stuff within the country, okay. you know, doing little family trips and everything. So, you know, that was very fortunate to be able to do that growing up. But, you know, you kind of, when you get in America, when you're in America, you get kind of like, it's such a big country. You really, you don't, you forget how big it is and how many people we have in our country that you kind of get, we get trapped in a bubble because we have the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean. It kind of like keeps us away from, the benefits what European countries have or Asian countries have, they kind of have that. They're right next to each other. So they're not, they're far from each other, but you can still drive or, you know, get there. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not, yeah. that, it's not like a huge distance. And then uh, just the, the culture, I just wanted to see what the mindset was, what it would have felt like to have like being a different culture, Asian culture and like how they think and how they feel compared to like how we move and, you know, make money and all that. I mean, one of the big things out here, you know, people are very appreciative of what they got. I mean, they're kind of like, set in their role they accept their role whatever they're in you know what i mean like the guys who go out there cut the grass fix trash out or you know doing those hard labor jobs they kind of just accept that role and just like you know this is my life and i'm gonna enjoy it you know mm-hmm. like, i'm not gonna like look bring myself down and be like shit i mean i see other people living a lot better you know and that's how and, and i'm trying to strive for that and they're trying to push themselves too hard like in the states i feel like we try too hard to live at this level of like I don't know what success looks like, you know? So it's like yeah. here, I feel very, especially in Thailand, it's a very humble country because, you know, they believe in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, with those beliefs and then their other superstition beliefs that they that they have, they're really like about karma and, you know, treating other people well. So taking care of their parents when they're older and stuff like that, you know? So it's like, you know, it's like, okay. I mean, for us, like, like the, the girl I'm with right now, I just married a Thai girl. She's like, Oh, I want our daughter when she grows up. I want her to, you know, to let it, you know, I want her to stay in the house as long as she can. And I'm like, what? No, in the States, you 18, you got to go. <laughs> She's like, why are you guys? And she, said, she asked me, like, why in America do you guys want to, you know, if you can't, if you can't, if your parents say you could, why you guys want to leave the house so quickly? I'm like, I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I think that's just how we're brought up. We're brought up 18, you got to go. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, or we don't have to go, but we feel like we need to go. Yeah, the, you know? the longer you stay at home, like the more you feel like you're not doing anything yeah. or you're a loser, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and that's a, like, it's a blessing and a curse because it's like, you know, I think we as Americans get to kind of grow up a little faster sometimes, you know, with that, you know, like mm-hmm. both of us out on our own at 18, you know, I'm down in Juco playing ball, yeah. like completely on my own, moved out you know, solo, yeah. signing a lease, all that <laughs> stuff. And then, you know, my Czech homies or my European homies out here still might be 25, 26 living with mom. And it's like, yeah, yeah, so there's yeah. a different level, but then they kind of have a different connection with the family. And like, you can save money when you're living at home, you know, like it, yeah, it, it allows time. you to kind of level up once you actually get to that next step rather than struggling at the bottom for so long. Yeah, and really trying to just like you're living off ends of me and you're trying to live 
live above your means kind of thing, you know, because you try to go out probably to the club and socialize with whatever, you know, everybody you know, need that social life. So, I mean, that, that costs money. So, for me here, I mean, I'm, I'm cool just, you know, living off of the, the Thai food, feel very lucky to living off of that. And, yeah, I mean, the difference with the States, like I said, like, it's just, I think the, the culture, the cultural differences of what, what we, what we, what they hold important here and what we hold important in, in America, I feel like it's great and eye-opening. The States, I feel like I just got lucky at the, during the time of like all this Corvid stuff and, you know, I just felt like, I was like, damn, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, because I came here two years right before it started to really hit it, you know, mm-hmm. hit, so I was like, well, that was like, good call. It's like, good call on me and you, man. We got out here just in time <laughs> because of me. <laughs> right now, it's, it's, I mean, pretty, it's pretty intense. Dude, yeah, it's, there's, I mean, just the, I'm sure you like this all just I enjoy like being able to view the picture of the US from outside of the frame because it's like okay. that gives you a little bit of perspective you know it's it's hard like I was just talking with yeah. Jason Gusser yesterday it's like you know when when you're in the game when you're playing it like and I'm reading you know this side of the field Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's wide open on that side because I, I can only I only have one set of eyes and but then yeah. if you're up in the nosebleeds you can you know you hear the the armchair quarterbacks man he's fucking wide open you know like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, obvious yeah. but when you're down in the when you're in the mix you can't see it and so like how do yeah, you see like from your perspective now like how how do you view what's going on in the states right now because it's it's always like these this is always interesting for me yeah, I mean, well, it's it's great because I get to look at all like the news, the local news channels, and how they talk about the states, and then the other uh, news channels I get from other countries, and then kind of I can see their opinion. And you know, everybody in the beginning, I mean, America was held at a high high standard, but as time went on, with obviously with with the Donald Trump presidency, they kind of saw that like, oh, they don't really. America's more looked at like, oh, they just only care about themselves, or care about ourselves. You know, it's like they're only out for them. You know, they don't really care. About the world no more but and then you know i mean and it just they i mean there's a i mean here in thailand they talk to people they're like oh americans they're loud and crazy i mean they like to party hard and <laughs> you know then we go in i'm like yeah we do that yeah, yeah. but i mean there's still like this like you know like they're like when i tell in the beginning when i first came to thailand they're like oh where are you from i'm like america they're like, oh america oh, oh nice nice now it's like like oh where are you from uh from america oh america ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so it's like from no from that two years since i've been here that change has been this it's, it's wild because i was like, in the beginning i was a celebrity i was like oh america oh yes come 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 now it's like america oh ooh. Ooh, how long you stay up. here <laughs> you stay here for two years too? okay 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 yeah. you, you've been here <laughs> so, you gotta yeah you gotta get validated first <laughs> Yeah, I've been, I've been living here for two, th- going on three years, man. Come on, man. Before I got here, before Corbin. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's an eye-opening change. That quick, too. Just that quick within those little couple of years. How it is now, so. But everybody here, there, I mean, everybody's kind of on the same tip. Everybody's waiting for that, hoping for that vaccine to get in here because, you know, Thailand, they got their own uh, social social issues with their, with their prime minister. And I don't know if you've seen all the protests that have been going on. In I haven't, no. Right now. What's, what's that about? So, the, so a lot of the Thai student, university students, they're protesting almost like, every, almost pretty much every day. And down there, they're, they're, uh, there's like a little a monument that's uh, been built for democracy. So they go out there and, and protest because they're mad at the prime minister. He, they say, because the prime minister of Thailand, he 
got into power during a military coup, and then they had an election, and obviously it was kind of rigged. Okay. And then so a lot of the student university kids are they don't like him, they don't want him gone because he's been here for like over about yeah six years now, about four or five six <laughs> years, and he hasn't really brought anything to the table. And he's always made excuses. He's always been like, "Oh, well, how's it my problem?" He, you know, they they talk crazy out here to each other. So they, he kind of says like rude things, and everybody's kind of fed up with that. And then other people are kind of like taking jabs. You're not supposed to talk bad about the monarchy, but people are kind of saying like, "Well, maybe the monarchy should give up some of their money because they got all the money." So they think they should drop a new constitution that says the monarchy has to give up some of their money, and they want the prime minister to step down so they can get somebody else in there. So they've been going out at about that's been going on for a few months now yeah interesting interesting yeah that's the thing like you know i whenever i talk to guys back in the states and family and stuff and it's like you know we americans and it's i you know it's everything's positive negative but like we kind of think we're a bigger deal than we really are you know like obviously oh, yeah. everybody <laughs> does everybody does kind of keep a slight tab on us compared to other countries but at the end of the day i tell everybody it was like yo everywhere i've lived for the most part everywhere i've traveled for the most part everyone in from those countries complains about their own government first you know it's like we're, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know we we like to think we're like special in a way that our system or government's kind of messed up or flawed or whatever and or our president or whoever it may be and it's like yeah that's true but we're not the only <laughs> ones you know like i think yeah, it, it's yeah, just human exactly. nature in general maybe american human nature of like you're going through a problem any kind of you know depression any anything in your mm -hmm. mind you're like man i'm the only one like no one understands yeah, me yeah, yeah, this yeah. and that and then you talk to somebody and it's like oh you're exactly yeah. the same as me you know and so like that's <laughs> yeah, the thing exactly, i try and explain yeah. to people is like listen like yeah, things might be messed up, but unfortunately, they're messed up like everywhere right now. Heck yeah. I mean, you got, yeah, you got all kinds of issues. I mean, you got the, especially me, I get a lot of international news, but there's one news that uh, Al Jazeera, so they're talking, they're talking a lot about Ethiopia and they're having their little, little civil war fight mm -hmm. with the northern region, Tigray. So you hear about that. I mean, you know, everybody got, everybody got problems around the world. You know, it's just like, like you said, we're like, we ain't the only ones, you know, we're not, we're not special in the sense like our problems are more problematic than other people's problems you know what i mean so it's like you know so i think we just gotta go out stop going after our throats and maybe we might get a little further for real man i mean that's that's the thing <laughs> is the the unity the unity without conformity you know like we like you know we can we can think we're st someone stupid or we can not agree with somebody but like let's just keep it civil and keep a little love out there you know like I, you know i i think some of my family's pretty stupid, you know, for whatever their beliefs yeah. are. I still love those motherfuckers. You know, it's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. What, uh, what I'm going to change my love for you based on, you know, one, one mm -hmm. thing you think it's like, I think that's our, our main issue right now in the States is like the, the just quick judgment and then the quick to cancel culture, you know, write somebody off mm -hmm. that it could be someone that you've known your whole life, like family or friends or, you know, like, you know, you've yeah. seen me on Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty vocal or, or, or brash with, with my opinions of what I think's going on at certain times. And like, you know, some, yeah, yeah. some homies that 
I still got love for the either unfollow or whatever. And it's just like, all right, you know, okay, I, I'm not going to judge it, but it's kind of like, can't, can't we all just kind of coexist with the maybe yeah. slightly different idea? Yeah. People think that they're like, oh, you're conforming. I'm like, no, I'm trying to compromise. You know, you're yeah. taking my compromise over, you know, making that seem like it's conforming. I'm trying to find a middle, we're trying to find a middle ground. So, say, you know, it's hard to make everybody happy. You can't, it's impossible. You can't make impossible. everybody happy. Yeah. So. You know, so we just got to, you know, accept our differences, you know, and grow to love them. You know, like I said, like, just because you say you like blue and I'm like, ah, fuck him. I like red. You know, like, come on. <laughs> you don't have to go out there. You don't have to go out there. I'm so hard. Like, that's because, like, different colors. But that's cool. It's cool. You know, so, but, yeah, I'm with you on that one, my man. That's, I feel like, especially for me, I'm like, I'm always looking for differing opinions in, uh, from me. I'm like, I think like this. I wonder if, if I'm like. If somebody can counter me and I want to see what they think. Cause I mean, I know what I, what I, how I feel and how I think or my opinions are not the end all to be all. I mean, like there's so many people out here that have their own things, way of thinking. They might enlighten me. So I like, yeah. to, I'm a, I like, I definitely like to hear contracts and, you know, things from how I feel just to see, you know, for sure. Yeah, it's like, it's like I'm not going to lie. I, oh, sorry. What, what'd you say? No, I was just saying, you know, I was like, you know, open my eyes and like, oh yeah, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that. for me, like I, I'll admit, I enjoy being right, but that's not like <laughs> the end all. Like I, I would, I would prefer the situation to be right rather than myself to be mm -hmm. right. And you know, like yeah, 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 the yeah. the what I don't know exactly what, but one of the biggest powers you can have is like to change your mind on something you feel passionately about yeah, exactly, you know? and, yeah. and that's just getting lost because it's like some in I mean and there's like science to this and I, I don't know the exact mm -hmm. terms but you know there's like sometimes when you get presented opposite information and it could be mm -hmm. like I could give somebody a, a, a chart a graph a pie you know all these things and it could all be factual but just that that counter will make them hunker down in their in their beliefs and whatever it is. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I really try and not do that where, like I said, I, I want to be right. Don't get me wrong. But like yeah, yeah. at the same time, like you said, correct me, like challenge me. Like, yeah. let's if teach I can me, change my me. mind, that's great. Yeah. Learn me up some. Teach me some. You know, I, love, you know, I mean, I love to learn, you know, it's definitely. Looking back back in high school, middle school days, you're like, oh yeah, history and all this stuff boring. But nowadays, I appreciate all the history because it's good. It's a great reference point. You gotta learn from that stuff. So you don't gotta, you know, stay deep in the past, but you should learn from it, you know, so we don't make those, you know, mistakes in the future, you know. So for people, you know, like you said, people are sensitive though, you know, they, they, they <laughs> take it as like, oh, you you talking, you saying I'm stupid. I'm like, nah, man, just trying to show you a little something different, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, have, yeah, have you picked up any any Thai or anything? Are you being able? I know all I know is like soti crap and yeah. you know that's all I know. Crap, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do uh, to help my visa. I have an education visa out here, so I, I'm actually learning the language. I go okay. like uh, three times a week at this school. Yeah, not too far from here, so been about a year. Yeah, so I, yeah, I've been picking up. I got little phrases like if I get like thrown in the middle of like Bangkok and I'm lost, I can find my way. I can ask people for directions now. Really get around and stuff like yeah yeah i can do like oh that's you know, awesome man how, basic conversations like, and stuff how how <laughs> have you like the only language now that i've picked up on in my travels and live in other places is portuguese and like i i could say you know i could i could survive if i had to only yeah, yeah, use yeah. my portuguese and it's like mm -hmm. 
it's a cool like I don't know it just opens your mind up like in just the way you diff you you see things and the way you hear things and like now yeah, I'm I'm moving to Finland next week and so I'm on oh, yeah. du I'm on Duolingo like going through <laughs> Finnish and I'm like man this language is so much different than anything I've ever <laughs> been a part of but is is Thai a tonal language like Chinese? Yeah, it is. It is. It is tonal language. Yeah, have high tone, mid tone, low tone. So you can say like the same word, like cow. Cow can mean rice. Cow can mean him. He horn. You know, but you have to have it have that little uh, rising tone or a falling tone, and like, oh. there's like little vowels. They call it like little little tone marks. My egg, my toe. The little like two on top of some of the symbols. And okay. So yeah, you kind of have to you have to keep those in keep those in mind, but. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just you got to remember those. You got to remember which ones have the tone marks. But in the class, it's cool because we also learn how to write. So I think. Oh yeah, I was gonna say you have to learn how to write in Thai. You know, right? It's easier to read. It's easier to read Thai with when you know how to read the con their own letters compared to like reading it in a romanization of a uh, of like English. You know, what okay. I mean? like if you see like 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 a, there's an area called Krabby in Thailand, and it's and in English they spell it. K R A B I, but if they spell it in Thai in the Thai language, it's more of a like a g like a g sound like grabby instead of crabby. It's like grabby. Uh. Yeah, so like little things like that. So I was like, I kind of like let me, let me just stop looking at the English. Let me just now that I can read Thai, I can I kind of just try to focus on the Thai Thai because that helps me pronounce the idea right a little better. I feel like that's sick. And then having your girl like that's that's gotta. I mean, there's that helps at all too. Because I mean, what her family? How how good is her uh, family's English or whatever? Our family doesn't speak any English, so. right? Yeah. So yeah, she speaks English. You know, she's cool. She's okay at it. But uh, yeah, they don't speak any English. So, and they speak they speak another language and they speak Isan because they're from Isan, Northeast Thailand. So okay. Isan's more of like it's like a language they it's it's. Since they border northeast, the uh, Isan and borders with Laos, more of a Lao language. So a lot of ah. people speak Isan in that part of Thailand. So it's like, uh, I guess it's like speaking like if you're in the, we have English in the States and also we have Spanish, but it's more similar to like Creole, like English separate than Creole, I guess, if you're in Louisiana, because it's like, it's kind of like English, but it doesn't sound like it at all. <laughs> so, so you have Thai people, not all, not all Thai people know how to speak Isan. So okay, it's kind of like, you know, so. Yeah, they got their own little thing, but they speak. Most of them speak Thai because he sounds more. It's like they're like, I guess you call it more backwoodsy. Gotcha. A lot of other yeah. Guys, you know what I mean? So the comparison area. to Louisiana is kind of a good comparison. Yeah, it's about, it's about right. It's about right. Without the bayou, <laughs> they got all the farms and fields out there. So, That's but all, yeah. Um, where where else have you traveled? You said have you been around Thailand quite a bit, or in Asia, or where all have you been? Yeah. So I've, yeah, I've been around inside the Thailand, traveled in Thailand, Chiang Rai and other places, uh, Krabi, like talked about. Then I've been to Japan, uh, Korea for a little bit, and uh, I had to stay in China for a night. That wasn't that wasn't by plan. That wasn't plan, but that was like a layover that got like delayed, and I had to stay there for a day. So I stayed in like where was that Shanghai for a little bit, and uh, yeah, I mean I still there's still like a lot of places I want to go, but yeah. Asians, Japan, South Korea, uh, Thailand, oh Bali. We went to mm, okay, Bali. nice. Went to, went to Bali. That was pretty cool. And then I've also been Jamaica and Dominican Republic. Like I said, from like the first time I traveled outside the, or I had to use my passport. I guess. Yeah. So, where? I haven't been to Europe yet, though. 
No, you haven't? Okay, well, man. No, I want to. Yeah, you got to come. I mean, like like you said, Europe is cool because it's like, you know, you can drive from the equivalent of like Seattle to Portland or Seattle to California, and you go through Mm -hmm. three, four different places, speaking three, four different languages with three, four (laughs) completely different cultures. And it's like, you know, it's similar to, to Asia, although I think, I don't know exactly, but some of the European countries are just so dang small that... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 weird and just, but I mean, it's cool because it's like we can all again kind of coexist, and you know, certain languages or mm-hmm. you know, you get into the Eastern European. Like I was in Poland for a couple of years, and Polish and Czech are mm-hmm. are similar. And so when I got here, like you know, I knew the swear words and I knew a couple like little things <laughs> where they're like, how how do you know this stuff? And I'm like, man, it's kind of no, the same yeah, as yeah. Polish, you know, like it's it's similar. <laughs> Yeah, you feel the similarities. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Where? I mean, where that, oh, sorry. Go. I was gonna say, yeah, I've still haven't been to like uh, Cambodia. This is right next to Thailand. I want to go there too. Is yeah. is that the top of your list for where you'd want to go next for Asia, or where where's kind of you? Where are you eyeing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Cambodia is like right next door. I've been telling myself I've been wanting to go to Cambodia forever because they have like Angkor Wat, that big ancient big ancient temple that's like part of the, uh, the ancient em- their Khmer Empire that used okay. to be around a long time ago and they built like this you know crazy palace structure called Angkor Wat Temple I should say Angkor Wat that's a very big tourist attraction as it's always I'm a history buff too so I've always wanted to just go out there and check it out and, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think no. that'll be the next that'll be the next place I try to go to or I haven't really been thinking about going anywhere until like I you know <laughs> all this craziness comes <laughs> like I've been, I've been I'm, cool, like, I'm cool where I'm at right now like I got we just got done coming back from uh PP Island uh little island near off of Phuket you know because okay. they have a lot of islands because in Phuket you know we're a southern part of Thailand and Phuket's an island in itself but it's like has a bridge to connect to the mainland so it's not hmm. that far off the mainland but there's a whole bunch of different islands all throughout like the southern part of that area where we're at and you got PP Island is famous because of the beach with Leonardo DiCaprio back in 2000. So, so everybody loves going there. Okay, yeah. I've seen like some Instagram or YouTube stuff. Now I know exactly yeah, yeah. what you're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So PPI is a big popular spot. And they got some other ones, Coastal Mui and all these other stuff, spots that are like islands that are just, you know, just right around, not too far. So we went to, I went, took a day trip to PPI Island uh, like two days ago, just went out there, drove to the port, hours. Our, a little less than an hour speedboat ride and got there you know and it's beautiful like because there's like there's not a lot of tourists there's only like thai people who are touring their own area so it's all like, right got the whole beach to yourself you know it's like it's pretty it was pretty sweet it's like good it was a great vibe because it was like yeah you know you know tourists would be nice to have it here but to have the whole island feel like you have the island to yourself like this i was like oh yeah this is <laughs> king, of, king of the island here it's like, i claim stick my flag right here <laughs> gotta pay taxes to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah no a- asia to me like that's been when i went to nepal and thailand uh two years ago now and i was there i was in nepal for about like four weeks three four weeks with one of my best friends now who i met while mm-hmm. i was living in lisbon who was Nep- nepalese and um and then i went to thailand for like a week before i flew back home and ever since that trip, I was like, man, like, if I'm going to spend money on travel, like, Asia's where I want to go, just because, like, the, mm-hmm. 
the cultures of just like you said, like there's like a respect and like people are enjoying life, even if mm -hmm. maybe life isn't going perfect and, you know, trying yeah. to enjoy it. And, and my biggest thing, like, I just like when I smile at somebody and I get this, the smile reciprocated back to me, you know, like that's yeah, just exactly. a, an out there in Thai and, and Nepal, like they like to smile. And that's just like such a, you know, it just makes the day go by better for me. Warm welcome, you mean like yeah, kind of smile back? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what's what's the weather like out there right now? It's it's like, did it start monsoon season yet, or it's, yeah, it's finishing? It just got done finishing. Oh, just finished. Okay. Mm -hmm. This time around, this in November, pretty much December, January, February, like supposed to be the high season months for tourism and like where a lot of people make their good, make their you know money before the year. So it's kind of like a. Don't have that this year because you know nobody's coming so everybody's kind of like in uh, neutral mode kind of just seeing how much they can survive a lot of people had to leave phuket a lot of people you know had to close down and sh shut shop because of you know no business so everybody that's here now is kind of like they kind of set up to where it's like they stick to the areas like we're wide still have people coming around here and then you know you know pretty much just survival of the fittest <laughs> out here you know for who can last as long if not people have to go back to their hometown, home villages, wherever they come, wherever they came from. A lot of people are not from Phuket who out who are living out here. Even even Thai people. You oh, know? Gotcha. Is, you, is where's your uh, girlfriend? She's from the northeast area, like where? Yeah, she's from. Uh, yeah, she's from uh, Isan. Her area is called Uban Ratchathani. Okay. Like near Cambodia border. And so that's why it's hurt. I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, you go for it. I, that's the one one shitty thing about Zoom is like if we both kind of get going, then we both uh, yeah, yeah. yeah no, so keep <laughs> yeah, going. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that yeah, she's up there, Uban Ratchatani, where they that's where they speak Isan and all that stuff. So it's a big area. I haven't been I haven't been there myself yet, but we plan on plan on going here pretty soon here. Cool. Go check cool. out home, check out her hometown. She hasn't been back in a while too, so so you you see yourself out there pretty permanently like that or for the long haul or like what's your mind yeah, frame yeah. with that well you know i'm getting this business uh well once things get back to somewhat normal when international travels back and things i really feel like phuket's a nice especially where why there i mean now it's a nice little hidden gym to kind of like do something simple and basic for anybody like real estate I mean, okay simple you know you just, as long as you get familiar familiarize yourself with the area you know, things out here are very affordable, buying houses and stuff. And as long as you know the rules, get your BOI, a business license and everything all set up, set it out, you can, you know, you can make it happen. So I'm kind of doing that. And then my next thing is, because I really want to set some roots in here, I, I will get my language right here for the Thai language. And then I think I'll, once I feel comfortable with that, then I'll work on even getting Thai citizenship. So I was like, excuse me, getting, Sick. try that out. Because I know that's, you know, People have done that around here once they lived here long enough. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna try to do time. And what's what's the process like with that? What else, can you? And then once you get citizenship, you'll be able to get a Thai passport as well. Yeah, yeah. You can okay. Get I, I didn't know because I know Japan doesn't allow dual citizenship, but I did. So I didn't know if if Thai did. Mm -hmm. So yeah, what, what's strict, yeah. what's the process with that then? Uh, you. Pretty much, it's, it's kind of similar to what you have to do getting American citizenship. You know, you have to go through a couple of tests, you know, have to know the national anthem, you know, a few other things. I don't think it's as hard as the American test. I think the big thing is you just got to pay the fee, 
Okay. I think it's like a thousand or so, thousand or seven bucks. And then, okay. yeah, and gotta like obviously show you another language. But also, I've, I've also seen people that had Thai IDs without knowing the language. So I'm still trying to do some research on them about that. They get some kind of special benefit. If you like, got enough money, you can kind of like buy, pretty much just buy kind of thing. <laughs> you know, they, 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 money, they money makes the world go round. <laughs> yeah, especially in Thailand. They, they don't, they're like, oh, just pay a little extra to the table. Then, yeah, we get you right in the front of the line. They, they promote that big time out here. So it's like, right. makes life easy. It might cost a little bit extra, but you know, convenience. Is, so, is but, there you know, like a... Is there a living, like, you have to be there for X amount of years before you can even, like, apply to this thing also? Yeah, yeah, there is. There's, like, a living. You have to be here for at least, like, four or five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, that's what, uh, I, I lucked out, and my, my grandfather was born in Ireland, and Ireland right mm-hmm. now is just kind of giving away citizenship, and so oh, yeah, this, yeah. this last, this last year, I got my Irish citizenship, basically just had to send in a, his birth certificate and well, his death certificate, my mom's birth certificate, you know, like all these things, got it. Mm. And now I'm in the process of getting the passport. And it's That's like, nice. that, that is like clutch just, I mean, for multiple, re- for traveling purposes, like, you know, mm-hmm. I can legally stay here, legally work here, you know, and yeah. then also it's, it's, just a nice little insurance policy, you know, with, exactly. with how things are going, you know, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've been yeah, talking with, um, like I just started looking into Portugal's kind of like my, my favorite place that I've lived and played and homies out there and just the vibe culture. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really got along good with it. And Portugal's unique because it, it's one of the few countries that has like a, a golden visa kind of thing where if you mm. invest enough in real estate or I'm pretty sure it's just real estate then you can like automatically get citizenship and so oh, yeah <laughs> yeah and so my my pops is about to retire and so I'm like yo like I already have citizenship but you know I don't know what his plan is and I'm like yo like mm-hmm. let's maybe like come bang like I'm sure like Thailand like the bang for your buck is like really nice yeah. and so you can get a spot mm-hmm. by the beach or you know a little farm or something for yeah. much much cheaper than you could in california and like mm-hmm. and you know get that second citizenship and you know let's 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 see what we can do so that's that's kind yeah, of my yeah. thing too that's why i wanted to talk to you about it mm-hmm. yeah because i mean i tried to tell my dad and my, my family the same thing like you like, like look, i came out here you know you know for myself and everything but now as you guys have a son or you know cousin family we're all the way out here in thailand I'm like you guys come out here take advantage man i help school you up come out here you have some ideas and like it doesn't have to be strictly in America, only America. I'm like, you come out here in Thailand and we can bounce to a different country in Asia, go to, you know, China or whatever. You might get some idea. It might pop in your mind, like, you know, have a different feel, different, you know, way you want to live because you, you get some ideas. Like, oh, this culture, they live like this. Oh, you can live like that. That's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Like, yeah, you forget that other stuff in the States. That's not the, you know, like we've been saying, it's not the end all to be all there. There's this whole world out here that you can, your playground, you know, just find where, you know, do a little research, you know, where what's good for you, what's best for you, and then you should just get in where you fit in, man. You know, exactly. It, and you know. and Seattle to Bangkok isn't. I mean, it's a, a little bit of a flight, but it's not. It's not crazy. You know, it take you a day yeah. to get there. You know, it, it's not it's in. Day, there's but, direct yeah. flights there, so it's like that's mm-hmm. not. You know, it's it's not something like unheard of. You know, it's it's not something out of no, the question not, completely. Yeah. 
Um, Especially what's, being what's in your, Washington and Northwest. Yeah, what, what's your, what's your dad up to these days? Like, how how's the family and everything with that? Like, what's he been doing? So, I mean, I know he retired a long time ago, but how how's he doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's good. He's living down. He lives in uh, Texas now. Okay. Like, Panero, Palero, something, someplace right near in, in Dallas. So he's been out there. You know, he had a business for doing wholesaling gasoline, delivering gas, where he had his own company. And uh, he had, like, a partnership with the Shell, Shell Corporation. And he had, like, pretty much had to help manage uh, about like 12 different gas stations in the, in the north in Washington. Okay. So he was, doing, he was doing that for a while, almost 10 years. And then he kind of just said he wanted to switch it up and move out to Texas. And So how long ago did he move there? He was there only, it's only been about a year. He's oh, okay. So he's one of those, place. like, cause bro, I think, I think the West coast is about to get exodus, you know, like I think yeah, they're going to yeah, be slowly either moving South or moving East or, well, yeah, not fully east, but that's what I keep saying is if I if I ever move back to the states, like either Texas or Florida mm-hmm. or South Carolina, you know, like and and as a mm-hmm. you know kind of hippie liberal, you know, <laughs> Northwest dude, I always kind of like look down on the South for whatever reason. And <laughs> yeah. after I was living in Orlando for a bit, and like I haven't traveled at all. Only place in the U.S. I haven't been is the South. But the more I like mm. get older. You know, going back to like changing our minds on something, the more I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I think the South has got something, you know, like there's, there's something. Mm-hmm. So, but he, he's liking like it Louisiana. down there. Yeah, he likes it out there. He, I mean, he's about to get, uh, getting ready to get remarried and stuff out there. So he's all settled in, got a new house and stuff. So, and he, I think he's doing, he's doing stuff in really, he likes real estate a lot. He, he got a, he had his uh, real estate broker's license, like back when I was in high school and he kind of stopped doing it but then he got back into it now again so he's been doing it but I tell him he's kind of late though he's trying to like flip houses and stuff and like buying for cheap and flip them I was like I mean you could do that in you know Texas but you're like five years too late kind of on the rush and everything but I've been kind of doing that but he's like no no you know I'm like hey do, do your thing man do your thing you got you got you let it rock you got the let cash it rock. for it he's like yeah you do your thing man but yeah so he's doing that out there just kind of getting you know doing that when he wants and I think he's trying to just set up stuff to retire soon okay cool how, mm-hmm. how was it growing up with like him as a dad and like in the NFL and like that like that that seems like a, a cool ass experience you know yeah yeah cause then, I, mean, I looked up looked up to him and playing football a lot so it was, it was cool to see watching him and then seeing the guys in the locker room I was always in the locker room with the, the team back when he, when he played for, played for the Jets and then in Kansas City Kansas City is more uh, Jets. I remember a lot, but Kansas City, I was like in junior high, as middle school, so I can remember a lot of those times too. Meeting, that's when I get to met like uh, Deion Sanders and stuff like that down in uh, Arrowhead, and it was cool. I mean, we moved around. Was, we had to move around a lot. Well, yeah, just going back and forth from like Seattle to New York and living in New York when I was like in elementary, from like kindergarten to first grade, and then moving back and forth from Kansas City to Seattle, going to middle school in Kansas City, playing playing ball and all that stuff out there so outside of that but as a kid though I was just you know didn't pay too too much mind to it I mean sometimes I was I grew up wishing that I could stay like more settled in some of these neighborhoods growing up because like when I went to Bellevue I didn't know nobody I didn't know anybody that you know when I went to Bellevue and all these guys that I was getting to know and everything it worked out great that these guys already played 
sports from when they were, you know, elementary school. They grew up together. Right. And so I always kind of, I always kind of missed that when growing up. But uh, I mean, I always have people and friends and stuff like that. But it was always kind of like limited time. And then I'm going back, either coming back to Seattle or moving back out there. So, but once I got to high school and everything, it kind of it got settled. So uh, it was all good after that. And what what was the? I mean. Did he retire? I mean, what what made you settle then in Be- or go to Bellevue High School then? I mean, is is he from it's more, it's that area? His, I'm I don't know. No, it was, it was more of his, it was more of his idea of that. He's like, yeah, because he knows Bellevue was decent decent school, decent football program, you know, football program. Like, because when I went to middle school, I went to this. I was in a Renton school district. Okay. So I went to the school called McKnight. I don't know if you know McKnight. I don't uh, know. Where and, and yeah. is that like would that is that more like Hazen side of Renton? Yeah, Hazen okay. side of Renton. Okay. Exactly. Gotcha. So, so when I was actually I actually wanted to go to Hazen because when I was in you know, eighth grade, that's everybody who's in my eighth grade year at McKnight. That's where all everybody was going. So it was another time of me getting separated from people I grew up with a little bit. That I was kind of like, oh, I want to go to Hazen. They're like, nah, you, you don't want to go there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> so he's like, so when I grew up, it was either. Eastside Catholic because they came over. I remember them coming. I don't know when they. I don't know when they came, but they came. Somebody had dropped a video. It was, this is back in the day when highlight tapes were on VHS. So they had brought like a Eastside Catholic highlight tape of them, and they. I just remember watching it. And I was just like, "Oh, this is intense. This is the real deal." They, they got a recruiting video. I was like, <laughs> so that was like my first little experience of like being like recruited, I guess, in a way with Eastside Catholic. And uh, yeah, that was fun. It was either them, Issaquah, because Issaquah, I went to, I lived in the neighborhood in Newcastle called Olympus. Okay. Oh, okay. So they Sweet. ran not too far from Cougar, Cougar Mountain and all that. So I know all that area pretty well. So it's either, it's pretty much between Issaquah and Bellevue in the end when I was going to high school, because I almost went, I could have went to Issaquah too, because I was in that same area. Gotcha. So had, and then decided to go to Bellevue just because it was just, yeah, I think he just my dad. He just really wanted to go to Bellevue. He's like, he just go to Bellevue. Like, I right, go to Bellevue. So yeah, I mean, you, you had a you had an all right. I think he like playing. Career. He like, he like <laughs> I think he liked Butch a lot though. Butch was a good. He liked he liked him a lot. Butch Gontrav. So yeah, I yeah. No, I, I almost I almost uh my my dad. <laughs> that's it's funny, man. Like we we almost moved my in between my freshman and sophomore year to go to Bellevue because oh yeah because <laughs> is it it just what was happening with coaching in Issaquah it was just a shit show to you know to be honest like it mm-hmm. it ended up kind of working out we played in the state championship just my senior year but it was nice, yeah. it was carried more by the team than or the guys rather than the coaching you know coaching staff wasn't bad mm-hmm. but it wasn't wasn't a butch gontra you know like my dad my actually yeah, my yeah. mom grew up babysitting butch and oh, wow. so like we had that connection i never like really knew him and but i still i can remember one day like going into the weight room like freshman year and mm-hmm. i mean like in january february and man those boys were grinding in the weight room you know <laughs> yeah, for a high yeah. school team and i was like whoa this i mean probably harder workouts than 
when I was in college, you know, like, and yeah, yeah. seeing that, that and was too, like, yeah. okay. And I knew I'd only get to throw the ball like five times a game, but it'd probably be like <laughs> yeah, three yeah. touchdowns. And then Butch's <laughs> reputation <laughs> would get money. me somewhere, but ultimately yeah. my, my mom didn't want to move. So that was, uh, mm-hmm. that was, but that's, Oh, interesting, bro. So you could have been Issaquah. That would have been crazy actually. Yeah. 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 It was either Issaquah or I did. But I was like, you sure you don't want to go to Eastside Catholic? I was like, nah, man. Private school is just, I went to <laughs> private school when I was like in fourth grade. We're going to, I don't know if you heard of a school called Bush in Seattle. Bush, Bush Elementary. I haven't, no. Just private school in, in the C, kind of in the CD. And I remember the first year I was there, I was like, ah, but it's just private school. It's just like, I mean, it's like, not, not my, not my cup of tea, like attitude right. and everything. Free, free, being freely, I to be, you know, you know, yeah. Private school, I was like, nah, forget that. So I was like, nah, nah, I'm trying to go back to a private school uh, environment. So Bellevue it is. And then, yeah, got the Bellevue. And then it was like, a, it was like you said, it was like going when I first walked into the gym and everything, all these guys, it was like a movie. I, mean, I really like the movie uh, Varsity, Varsity Blues. So I kind of like always put my high school career, my high school time with uh, Varsity Blues standards. So I was never going in there. The guys have to have Kurt up. Who's the new guy? Oh, what's your name? JR? Oh, you know, you know, what's JR stand for? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's James Ray, man. What's up? <laughs> you know, in the beginning, not liking anybody, but then, in the, you know, when you play with them and everything, everybody turns out to be real cool and bond together and all that stuff. So, and when you went there, I mean, because what Bellevue won like 10 out of 11 in a row, and what your four years you, you guys won it every year, right? Yeah, were, had, had they won, had they won it before you got there, or were you guys the first? No, they wanted it before me, but it uh, but it was like years. It was like in like 1983. Okay, okay. Like but you yeah. were the start of the, or you were there for like the start of the 10 out of the 11 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were, yeah, we were, yeah, yeah. 2001, my freshman year, that was like that was the start with the like uh, Gavin Smith, uh, Johan's car. Jay Johnson, guys like that, and Brian Tapia. Yeah, Tapia, I remember that. Name, like, yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. Guys like uh, yeah. Jeff Dix. Yeah, I could go on. There's, yeah, those guys. Uh, the first year it was good because we had like our we had like a lot of speed. Gavin Smith and Johan's car. Johan's was just like a little shifty, shifty like little, you know, Barry Sanders kind of kind of kind of player. And then uh, Gavin was good. Yeah, and then we were you know. Just Bellevue, we we all accepted our role in our in our part, and that's kind of what they harped into us. It's like you know, no one, no one man's better than the team. You know, everybody shows up, everybody gets to listen. You know, kind of grinding that into us. It was kind of like Butch is like, all right, you know, ultimately it's gonna be on you guys. He put his like, look, I'm gonna coach you and all that stuff, but it's gonna be you on the field doing all this stuff. So you guys have to find leaders within your own group, take it upon yourself to hold each other accountable. And then, I mean, I guess. Fortunately for us, we had a lot of a lot of the guys at Bellevue. They're all very like very studious and good students in at school. So it's kind of like uh, they take care of their business here and they're checking up on everybody else. So I, we're very fortunate to have a uh, good upperclassmen to kind of like show show the way. You know, in in a sense, you know, we're kind of like in the middle of like developing developing this whole this program with the work with the weight room being religious with the weight room like you said when you first came in there it was like yeah weight room was like on the off season because we didn't really work out in the weight room too much during the season but in the off season though if you weren't in there you're getting phone calls from Butch and like what's up man where, you, where are you 
You're like, what do you mean, bitch? It's Christmas Eve. Like, yeah, no, we're in here, we're in here, man. We're, we, what are we talking about? Christmas and that's tomorrow. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, we'll be we'll be done by by nighttime. You can you can spend Christmas yeah. Eve with the family. <laughs> you know, and it became and it became that way. It became that thing. Like, it all starts with the weight room. It, it literally, it really did. It came in there. I remember, I remember we did all kinds of like things to keep keep each other in check. Like who showed up the most, who, who, who during off season showed up the most during off season for work workouts. And we had tallies who was always there and everything like that. So, and then the other big thing that Bellevue, I think helped bonded us was during our uh, Fort Warden camp. We had a camp, you know, we went out to Fort Townsend in Fort Warden and we had like three days of practices, you know, for a week during our senior year, there's one day we practice four times a day because we were, everybody's so paranoid about playing De La Salle, so we <laughs> kicked it up a notch and stuff. But I think those times, having those little getaways with, you know, just us during that time was was crucial and helped putting that glue together on our team. For real. No, I mean, that was, that was, I mean, those Bellevue teams, man, I still, like, in my mind of, like, creating programming, like, like you said, a team. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know, I, I like, I'm out here QBOC and I'm trying to like mm-hmm. get guys on that same page. And one of my main homies in high school was uh, Jamal at the And so like, I, mm-hmm. I'd heard the, I'd heard the, all the, and, I, and who else? I mean, I wasn't like homies with them, but grew up like talking always with Cam Warren and some of those guys my yeah, age yeah, and like yeah. just hearing the, the, rumors or the stories of you know practices going five hours or something you know going late Mm -hmm. night and and but making it so like everybody was on their shit like that's one of those things like I carry forward in my mind even though I never experienced it it's like I'm almost like trying Mm -hmm. to replicate that and you mentioned the De La Salle I kind of talked about it earlier too like that's one of the things like I said bro that was let's see what was that oh four De La Salle? Yeah, oh four. Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah, I was fourteen. That would have been like my eighth grade year. Bro, I swear to mm-hmm. God, I can remember like I c I don't have a ton of memories from like games I was just at or whatever. But like I said, yeah, yeah. that and I was excited to talk to you to tell you this. That <laughs> that first touchdown run of like sixty or seventy, whatever it was, <laughs> like and yeah. the way the crowd like that's like the loudest I've ever been in a like the energy at that mm-hmm. game was so crazy. Like, what do you remember from yeah. that? That game, I, I remember the run, I remember that run very clearly. I mean, I remember the whole game, really. I mean, there's like, it goes in and out. Like there's there's spots at the time where there's like, I don't remember some parts because it's just here in the moment, but I more so remember like the buildup to the game. I remember like mm. the buildup, the hype, you know, within our own, within our own the team and everything. Cause we were watching all these like old De La Salle games. We were watching, when De La Salle had Maurice Jones Drew and they're playing yeah. Long Beach Poly and they had literally on the field on both sides of the ball offense on De La Salle and defense on Long Beach Poly. There's 22 guys with all D1 offers. So we're watching these like elite God high school players playing. We're just like, holy crap, like, this is, <laughs> we gotta play this kind of, you know, you know, so it's like this, we built this up. So everybody was like very, very focused like even from the guys who didn't even play that much they're just like everybody was like all in like nobody had us winning everybody's like oh you guys are just gonna have these california guys come up here and just whoop on you just for all this you know and we're like no man we'll show you guys we're gonna show you guys so i mean the, the build up and the, the preparation because the preparation was like on a whole nother level like when it comes to like watching film 
mm-hmm. you know, studying studying all their tape and watching how they do like the, the double dive with their line because we play, you know, playing on both sides of the ball. My dad, he was a coach, the defensive coordinator during that during my time. So he he had a lot of it, was, it turned out to be he was like a one of like a, a great great coaches of Washington or great coaches I've ever, you know, been with just, you know, not yeah. a lot of guys can translate the game in a, in a simple, simplistic way for high school kids to understand. But he did it in a way where he turned these guys who had no business out there playing cornerback or DB weighing a buck 35 soaking wet and they're out here jamming guys at the line, you know, out here bailing out. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> so we were like, you know, so like could appreciate it in the moment. But now looking back on it, I'm like, this, yeah, you're like, damn, this guy, so-and-so out there soaking wet 135 but he was out there making play he's out there laying the wood that's what i'd like to see you know i you know, get hyped you know so that 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 identity that culture building up to de la salle then we're just like kind of one of those like fucking mode like we about to out here and show these guys what's up getting hype and i remember coming out to the stand coming through the walking through on the field seeing like a whole bunch of the you know people that went to school with us come back and everybody's at this game i was shocked to see First, you know, when you first go out to the game and you're playing, you know, you warm up, you see there's like it's spotty how many people are in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really know how many people are going to come out. So I'm like, oh, yeah, it's about, this is about right. I'm thinking, like, you know, we're stretching out here. It's like, this is about normal. This is about, I think, you know, California, I'm like, oh, I don't think they're going to travel that good. Are they? You know, and then we go in there to fully suit up. I come back out. I'm like, the whole lower part of the clink, you know, the century links filled up. I'm like, Oh man, this is for real. I was like, oh, you know, this is this is it, huh? This is how it's going down. I was like, okay, okay. And then as soon as that ball got kicked, you know, it was just kind of like tunnel vision kind of thing. And like it's like it's funny because I really, I mean, I always try to look at the guys who I'm playing against, like to see who they are, like you know, because I knew some of them we were called call out their name and like, oh come on, Lopez, you know, just stop talk smack or whatever. But like some of those guys, it's like they really look like they're all like Sith Lords. I can't even like see their eyes, they have the helmet on, they had that little that darkness and they you know i was like man these guys is like all kind of like stocky too like little wrestlers i'm like oh yeah this is gonna be something fun <laughs> and then the, and that first play when i scored a touchdown i was like because uh i think it, it comes back to our preparation of like just re- repeated repetition rep- repetition which was always harping on repetition and we ran that play and i remember watching the field on film on it and everybody on the offense who was on that field everybody made their block it's like everybody was on their block Keith Rosenberg, he was the wing back at the time. He had to come over and he just cracked the outside linebacker for me to just go straight up the hose. Just a big ass opening red gate, kind of red sea opening kind of thing. I was just like, oh, don't get caught, don't get caught, you know, don't get caught, <laughs> you know, that's the only thing. And get in the end zone. I still I still like when I look at me when I score and I like I kinda like do this little thing. I'm like, oh, I hate why why I do that. But it was like such like the in the moment kind of thing. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Fight it, but you're in high school, you don't want yeah. to flag. And Bush was like, a, he was a stickler on like you scoring and trying to do any showboat in the end zone. So you have to be like kind of like smooth or cool with it, like not too overly, you know, things. So I was like, kind of dropped the ball down to like this. And then when I watched the film, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not happy with my side. Like, the, the touchdown was nice, but the end zone, and I was like, nah. I was <laughs> like, what you <laughs> 20 years later, it's still like, damn, I could have, I, I could have swagged it out a little bit so, better. Yeah, I could have, I should have just took it. I was like, it was in the moment, it was the biggest game. I think Butch would have understood. I was like, I was a senior, I was this guy. So I was like, yeah. but it was all good. I mean, yeah, just, I mean, the hits though, I do remember the bang on some of those guys. I mean, I, they, you know, they, like I said, they're stocky guys, you know, they're strong, you know, they did they, they're pretty much just, we, we copped, we mimicked our game after them. So it was like. Exactly. I, I was going to say, sorry to interrupt, but like I went to Juco yeah. in the Bay 
And the dude who started over me, my gray shirt year, was a De La Salle quarterback. And so I, I, and we ended up kind of being homies despite competing. And so there were a couple mm-hmm. times I went to De La and worked out in their weight room. And it, it was like, it was like a Bellevue vibe over there, you know, like yeah, it, yeah. it really, really was. And so like, it was cool for me to kind of get, you know, I just had to, that one day, a sneak peek of Bellevue weight room. And then one day, yeah, a yeah. sneak peek of De La and seeing like, damn, those were like mm-hmm. literally the, the giants of, preparate because you guys had dudes but it was the work there was a lot of a lot of teams in Washington that had dudes you know like it wasn't like like we were underrated for the amount of athletes I think that the Northwest has and it was was the work that separated them yeah I was thinking man back like uh my uh probably like sophomore before senior senior year Skyline had left the Kinko 3A I I believe right because the last time I played Skyline was my junior year and I was like a great, you know, rivalry game with Skyline and Issaquah. And even Issaquah left eventually to 4A, too, mm-hmm. in the years ago, I think, during your, time, during your time in school. So, But I feel like the, from 2001 to 2003, Kinko 3A was in the state of Washington. Now, we, we, we had some, yeah, there's people out there. That was a tough-ass tough conference, boy. I mean, 3A Kinko, that was during those years because, yeah, you know, Newport, I mean, there are no, Newport was no slouches there, especially even growing up when I was in middle school watching, they always have, it was always, it was always a banger with that, when we played, and guys were hitting, you know, Interlake, back in the day was good, early night, late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. they weren't dancing guys, you know what I mean, and uh, from outside, they got the country boys out there, and then in the North Bend area, you know, so they have, they're, they're kind of good every now and then, I guess the only team that I would think that was probably out of place was probably Cedar Crest, I yeah, Cedar, Cedar Crest, like Sammamish, Sammamish, <laughs> maybe you know, yeah, like those, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sammamish was kind of good too in the early 2000s. I remember the coach, our line coach, he coached Sammamish. They went to they went to the state championship. Oh, really? They played like I think they played like Lakes or somebody in the okay. championship before Skyline did. Yeah, yeah Lakes so. Lakes was always that team, like because it was my my junior year of high school. We lost to Lakes in uh, like second round or whatever, and. You know, they had what Cavario, Jermaine. Oh, yeah, that was Jermaine Curse's year. Um, Jermaine Curse, yeah. yeah, yeah. They had they had like three or four dudes on offense go D1, you know, and then mm-hmm. and they usually do every all, other year, all playing both ways. But then when they ran into a Skyline or a Bellevue who had some dudes who could also knew more exactly organized. what they were doing, <laughs> and it, it's just organized. a different, it's a different game. Yeah, it is. I always like to play the guys on the that are out in the mount uh, east of the mountains though, too. Like we always end up playing like Linden twice in back to back years. I remember in the semifinals with Linden, and then my sophomore year was Columbia River. I like mm-hmm. you know, I like playing those. I like playing those guys every now and then. I don't like driving all the way out to play them, but I like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they yeah. come to me and play. Come to Tacoma, don't you can, you can meet there. But yeah, I, I respect. You got to respect those guys in Pasco too. Those boys know how to play some good football. Yeah, Pasco Prosser. Crosser. Uh, yeah, those, uh, those they were solid. That's so all four of your state champions, you all of them were in the Tacoma Dome, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, that I that's my favorite that place I've they, ever played. Changed, that was before they changed the rule where you they had to they start to share like who gets the first semifinal. Some of the times that you have to go east of the mountains, go play yeah. guys and then switch back, whatever your ranking is, I guess. But yeah, so. Once you got to uh, semifinals, it was semifinals in the championship. Or in the oh, tournament yeah. Out, so. No, those those T-Dome yeah. games, man, were – I still – you know, it's funny, like, well, 
older talking about high school ball but at the same time like that was some special those were some special times man like you know and like anybody anybody who makes fun of it just never had the experience so they don't really know what it's it's like that you just don't really understand and you know um like on the Bellevue like you know Bellevue's gotten the shit for the recruiting and all that stuff and I heard one of the assistant coaches just released a book or something I haven't read it or anything but like yeah Pat Jones yeah yeah. how what for me like I said I was gonna move and go there and so like technically Mm -hmm. like I would have been under the recruiting umbrella or whatever even though I didn't really get recruited you know like what how much yeah, yeah. of that shit is real and fact in your opinion or like real and just like people like like with your dad your dad was like no just like that's the good spot to go and after they started yeah, yeah, winning yeah. like people just wanted to go there and so it wasn't like yeah. and made it happen one way or another and so what how, what do you think about that because you were like in it yeah, yeah i think it's more of like uh, they're just especially people from Mercer Island were very jealous of the success of Bellevue and Butch. <laughs> and, they, and then people started to find out how much that these people are paying Butch just to be around and coach, you know and I mean? I mean, they're paying him like a couple of hundred grand and yeah. he's living in Medina, you know? So they're like, hold on a sec. <laughs> but I mean, that's what do, how can you tell people? I mean, Bellevue is just, just one of those weird kind of scenarios where it's like a public high school within a very rich city, you know? So you got these exactly. people who are, super excited about butch because he's out here getting these rich kids playing together having you know growing up in camaraderie having a good experience with the high school and they have potentially of going to uh, getting looked at by universities you know you know the parents are like oh so-and-so's getting looked at by this college oh i didn't i didn't think he was that good at football but you know played for you he's good so and uh he's he's putting he's all in for everybody you know he, anybody else trying to go further i think they were trying to play ball somewhere you know, else you know, he was he go all in and make those phone calls that call call up colleges and try to get them, you know, get them people to notice us and or, or whoever who wants to try to play D one, D two, whatever level of football. But I think it started with that, a little bit of jealousy with that, but then there's some internal stuff going on, like right when that right after I graduated. Uh I mean like you said, there's people coming and going like, Oh, you should go to Bellevue, you know, from coming from Lakewood or whatever and people are like, Oh, why is this guy coming all the way to Bellevue? I'm like I mean, people, he, he, they're curious. They want to come see why they, you know, they want to try to go, come get a glimpse. But there's there's a couple guys who are, like, a little older than me, like, because we had a lot of young coaches on our coaching staff when I was growing up and after I left because people, you know, they play for Butch and they want to come back and help out. Yeah. So there's guys who are getting, you know, excited about always trying to get the team ready. They're always here about, like, oh, you hear about this kid, um, so-and-so, you know. So there's always, like, talks like, you know, oh, you hear about that. But there's really – that I've seen, there was really no, like, all right, we're going to drive – we're gonna drive to Tacoma Hilltop. We might go get to tell this kid to come play for us. There was really none of that kind of going on, but there was like, uh, like, you know, people will come to you know, like, oh, come to come to Bellevue and be like, oh, I'm coming here. Can I come? Here? Like, yeah, come on, we'll show, we'll show you around. You know, if you want to come play for us, like, uh, similar situation that happened with Miles Jack, right? He's in the league right now. Miles Jack, he came all the way from Bama because his mom had a new job for Microsoft in this from Washington. So he came up here, lived in like in, went to middle school here, then went to Bellevue freshman year, but then had to move back to Georgia for some for her work. But then he moved back again to Bellevue his junior, like going coming leading into his junior year because she got her job back, I guess. And so got him back up here again, trained him. You know, he had to stay with like the, stay with the coach or somebody because his mom was still 
traveling. So there's like people saying like, oh, you hear about this Bellevue kid staying with the coach. So that kind of got rumors started to kick around because of that. Uh, and then, and then uh, this one situation happened where this kid, his dad wanted to borrow some money from a coach because he was like going through it, I guess, with his family or whatever. And this kid that played on that's on Bellevue, he's a pretty good player. His dad, I guess, gave him some gave well, one coach like a one coach at a lower level, like to help train the kids. He gave a couple thousand bucks to the dad, and then the dad turned around and he's like, "Oh, this went to the newspapers and was like, oh, this guy gave me money in Bellevue.'" And he kind of like, well, kind of like <laughs> snitched because he wanted to get his kid because he was kind of mad at Bellevue because he wanted his kid to transfer to go to Florida to the IMF academy okay academy like there's a big Uh, img img yeah img so he wanted to go out there and butch is like oh you know it's cool but he's like but he wanted like insurance like oh if it doesn't work out can my kid come back and you know he's like i don't know maybe i mean i don't know so it's like i can't give you like a solid answer i mean things happen you know but you guys good luck to you so i don't know he felt some type of way and then he he, the money that he borrowed from another coach he went to the papers and said that people were giving that family's money or something and that kind of like helped blow the lid off of everything and then uh-huh. tracy tracy ford he had a you know this is the beginning stages of his own four sports place yeah and he like was like trying to get like one day trying to get the kid type and when you get the kid type you're out there like get your fucking ass blah 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 and then yeah. somebody recorded him doing somebody recorded him doing that and that kind of put another another negative light on the on the program so and then so that got out and stuff and then they started so then you know they just started kind of nitpicking on everything that the that Bellevue did and everything. And then people kind of just came to the assumption like these rich white guys are only good at football. Only they have to do something else different. Yeah, and it's not their hard work. You can't believe that. So they just kind of stuck to the thing like they were recruiting people, even though they can never come out with like actual names or kids who have been recruited to come to Bellevue because almost everybody that who was like a stud or did something at Bellevue all from Bellevue anyway. You know, outside of maybe Miles Jack, who came, who moved up here because of his mom, and then he even went to middle school around here before. So, him, Buddha Baker, EJ Savannah, myself, Matt, I mean, all the guys who were like, you know, guys on the team who were like the main guys, were yeah. all from, you know, from Bellevue. So, it's not like we're nobody can go out there trying to get more talent because we already had the talent that we had that we needed. So, you know, it blew up to one thing, led to another, you know. It happened. I mean, they can, people just couldn't accept the fact that that's how it went down. So they just kind of had to take the take the lumps on the chin for Butch. I felt that's the one, the guy I obviously felt that the most for because he's just he's doing it from straight from his heart. I mean, obviously, you know, he, they get getting from his money, but he's he's out here for us, and he's he's really he really was. He's the best coach I ever had throughout my whole life. You know, so I mean, he was in it for us. He just wanted us to be good and just wanted us to you know show us the way like how it's supposed to be done and I can honestly say that like I have no idea Butch has never gone recruiting or anything like that in my knowledge so you know so I felt bad but it's one of those things on the road where people look back at Bellevue and I feel like we'll think differently like well actually Bellevue you know they help help get Washington on the map on some aspects so straight up to be more appreciative (laughs) but no that's 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 how I always viewed it was like I felt bad for Butch because, yeah, like you said, is I just heard from other guys like yourself and some of my buddies was like, mm-hmm. he cared about you. You know, he wanted you mm-hmm. to to continue on and, you know, really put his neck out for guys and then to get just kind of the name drugged through the mud. Now, as you're saying it, it was almost like 
that was almost like the beginning of like, and it's not exactly related, but beginning of like the cancel culture that we have now so mm -hmm. much. And you know, oh, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, sure. weird jealousy, yeah. you know, and because yeah. I mean, motherfuckers were jealous of Bellevue, you know, and, and I, yeah, yeah. I never, I think that the people that really were true competitors is like, bro, we want that. Like you said, like it put yeah. us on the map, like Washington football after, after beating Daylaw, and then what they play Katie yeah. and then they beat, I mean, they beat yeah, everybody yeah, they played pretty yeah, much, yeah. you know, probably was next a year after. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know I mean? Ronnie's and it was, Oh no, you can't beat these guys. And I mean, it really, really put them on the map. And, and so mm -hmm. I was always proud because it was like, I could say, you know, whenever I was traveling or I mean not traveling, mm -hmm. but whenever I went to Juco, and I've played at North Dakota and wherever, and people would say like, "Oh, you know, uh, um, you know, wherever my high school from, we have the one of the top teams or whatever." And I'd be like, oh, who, yeah, you're who, who, yeah, "Who's that?" And they'd be like, "Oh, yeah. someone." You know, I had a, a homie from Texas or you know California, and I'd be like, "Oh, hmm. he's like, yeah, Polly's the best," or you know, Dela or whatever. I'd be like, "Oh, you." You know, a team from Washington smacked their ass, right? <laughs> <laughs> smacked them, exactly. I, I oh, used yeah, it yeah. as bragging rights because it was like oh, yeah. the homies next door. And so it was, mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, is, but now that it just made me register is like, that was kind of the intro to this weird little, like, it, it starts with a jealousy kind of feeling mm -hmm. and it turns into like, since I can't do it or. I don't like that you're doing it. like we want to get you we want to stop you from doing it and yeah that's that's they been can't my... they can't wrap their head around it they can't comprehend like oh these guys are doing it. really do that I can't accept that yeah it's like it's no, the distance it's like you've got the facts out there but you're still not trying to believe them bro exactly and it's like you you, yeah. you the it's true the the team that works the hardest normally wins and that's how that's yeah, just yeah. that's so, how that's football a, is you know that's just how that's it the beauty is of the game that's the beauty of the game you know you're always good as your weakest link that was a big big saying i'm sure you heard it a lot yeah know, playing football it's like you're only as strong as your weakest link and we make sure all the guys who are you know that's another thing butch did he's like if these guys were like third on the depth chart and not not put in the work the same amount of work as the guys in the, as the starters then you know we're not really a fully developed team so yeah, man. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, so much time and process and work that goes into being that good. You know, we like you, like you said, being in the weight room and watching the film and getting in trouble because you know you can watch your film after practice. You're tired. You can be out here dozing off like, Pacey, wait, uh, stand up, Pacey. Like, shit, that's too much. <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> Little things like that. You know, you know. So, but you know, Washington is football and Washington is where it's at now. Like the, the whole situation with Bellevue right now is all crap right now because they got they, the administration and the local mayors or whatever council people didn't stand up for Bush at all and they're just kind mm -hmm. of just except throw him under the bus and that's why the assistant coach coach Jones who has that book okay you know he's he's telling I guess it's gonna be like a two-part three-part book or something like that uh. and, uh, he's been going around calling people getting there you know trying to interview them he called my dad up trying to get his uh, you know get his little to write a little prologue or something like that for the book and so he's trying to he because he was devastated by the whole situation because he's like him and butch were like you know like this and because he's the old line coach and uh yeah he felt bad about the whole situation you know he had to be one of his best players that he coached that my one of my good friends connor he he kind of threw him under the bus and they kind of had a falling out because of the whole like 
the whole situation and everything. So he still, I think he still feels, you know, bad about that. So I, I'm happy that he's got the book out. You know, I know he's been, he's been itching at the itching to get something, you know, get his, get his say out there to fully get his, his piece out there. Cause he's a true, cause he was, he was, the, he was uh, on the coaching staff when Bellevue high school won the first championship in 83. Oh, wow. So it's like, he's really a Bellevue guy. I mean, he was, he coached at some average and helped get them good too. Cause he's a, Coach Sean, he's he's a little he's a little different about things, but he's a, he's still a great coach, you know. He's a yeah, so he's he's a true Bellevue Wolverine diehard. So I know how happy he is about getting his book out. I mean, I'm probably I'm I'm gonna read it eventually. I haven't had a chance. I mean, I know it's on Amazon or whatever right now, but I, I don't know. I've, I got a chance to read it because I was like, shit, I was living that shit. So I yeah, I was, I was going to say, exactly, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm more curious. Like I, I was going to say, you don't, I mean, you know, like you were, you were yeah, in it. Yeah. But it's one of those things where I got to like, I want to make sure he's like saying, what does he make sure, like, make sure he's getting these facts down or these historical events down right, you know, so. True, true. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but I, 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 I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check it out myself also because it's like, as you can tell, like, I'm curious about it. I, I, even though I never really was connected, I had a, a appreciation for it or whatever, you know, it was one other thing I kind of was getting, was curious about is just like, you know, I, I'm, I know probably your, your college career didn't go exactly, you know, how you probably wanted it. And what was uh, like, how, how do you reflect on the college career and everything, how that went, like now that we're pretty, you know, 10 years removed from it? Uh, I mean, college, it was good. The first year was great. I mean, going in there, I thought I was going to play my first year, but they decided to redshirt me. But I thought they should have played. But it was just kind of one of those things where I didn't mesh well with the coaching, Willingham, or I think the the rookie or the young 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 decision, young mistake I did uh, was uh, I committed to UW, but then he didn't have his full coaching staff together. Like, he didn't even have a running backs coach at the time. Okay. Which, is a, which is a mistake because the running backs coach that eventually came, me and him didn't get along and he was not really, he was just, you know, it's, the coaching that he dubbed was coming from a place like Bellevue, how what we set up with Butch and everything that, you know, that culture and like the mentality like that. And we, I said, I guess we set at such a high bar for myself. And then when I got to UW, UW was in the middle of a changing period because they just got done firing, uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, Rick Neuheisel was Neuheisel, Rick Neuheisel. Yeah. It wasn't Rick. It was Rick Neuheisel who got fired because he's betting on college basketball. <laughs> and then this other guy came in that was there for like two years. He was bad. Then that time, then Tyrone Winham was like the big, the big get, you know. And they, yeah, uh, from Notre Dame time or whatever. From Notre Dame, but nobody really, but nobody was really liking him from Notre Dame when he was leaving. And uh, he had he had a couple good years at Stanford. That's why I think he helped boost his resume. He had ten win game, ten win seasons there. He got to Notre Dame, and obviously, if you anything that touches that's Notre Dame. Oh my God, Notre Dame! Exactly. You know, so so he had that hype, super hype around him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I just probably it was either it was either UW or Penn State. I mean, I I still to this day always remember when Joe Paterno come came over to the house into my house with his son, and they sat there in my living room. And it was just like. He's like, you know, you play good football, you know, I couldn't, you know, you come out there. I was like, it's one of those like movies, like mafia movies. I was like, I got this guy, he's like, Godfather, football in my house, bro. He's out here, I got to kiss his rings or something. What do I got to do? <laughs> you know, so it was, it was like, a, it was just one of those 
continuation where it felt like a, you know, like a movie, you know, I have this legend and he's like, and my, where I was about to show my highlight tape from football, he's like, he's like, he's like, what are you doing? You know, I was like, I'll show you my, I'm going to show you the highlight tape I had, you know, this year. He's like, son, I've seen everything I need to see. I came all the way out here for you. I'm going to come out here to watch your highlight tape, but I already know, I, you know, so I was like, I was like, damn, Joe Paterno got love for me like that. It was crazy. So I always remember that. And then I don't regret anything I do or did growing up. I mean, I made my mistakes. I was young, did my thing. But if I could go back, I definitely should have just said, just go Penn State and just yeah. took that experience. I was still young, though. I was kind of had the idea of, like, hometown hero, bringing, you know, UW is still, like, a pretty prestigious school, football and university-wise. You know, it's like, can't go. I mean, it's almost like I couldn't go wrong with going to University of Washington anyway. So, so but, yeah, it was great. I mean, I still still happy. I mean, got to UW first year, got Scout Player of the Year during that time going against a first team defense they liked how I was running and that's when they're there's up they're on the verge of letting me play against UCLA and trying to travel and I was like oh shit I get to travel and it was a big deal that was a pretty good experience going down to Rose Bowl playing you know playing with seeing the Rose Bowl and all that in Pasadena so the and the yeah, main decision the, between like UW versus Penn State like you were just, like to stay kind of just keep the keep the hype in a way going kind of was yeah. on your mind because I mean dude it was like that scenery I mean everybody in Washington knew who you you know I mean like that was Bellevue yeah, yeah. and I mean it was like your your name and Bellevue were like interchangeable almost you know it was crazy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah you know just wanted to keep the you know it was like one of those you know those moments where I was just like yeah I'm trying to you know bring the glory back to the northwest you know we yeah. kind of already did it with De La Salle and everything I can still do it I feel confident in myself and my ability to play ball and I was like there's no there's like I don't it's like the one thing I didn't have yeah and I was like I knew I could play and then when I got to UW there's also playing with the you know D1 guys there was a time where I was like shit these boys out here are big and fast I was like can I hang can I hang especially during camp time when camp comes around you finally get the pads on you play then you kind of just kind of get comfortable and then you kind of you know, you just you know, become a football. You just play. You play the game. You just play football. Right. And you let let you do yourself and whatever. You know. You know, you try to win. That's all you gotta do. So that's what I did, and then a lot of guys kind of respected me. So I always felt like, even though I never really only played like a few few downs in UW, but I always had a lot of people got gave me a lot of respect with on the team because they played with me every day in practice and they saw what's up. And during the time, with Willingham was just a weird time of of having him there where everybody thinking he's gonna be like there forever but then he's like oh and 12 <laughs> he got to go he can't be not winning no games at, at uw university of washington so but it it, it kind of it, it, it was it was cool going in there because and then he started i knew things were going to be a little different like in a traditional sense of like you go to university because he was still like in the process of firing the current staff that was there okay like steve itman I still, still to this day, I was like, how do you fire Steve Itman, bro? I was like, the living legend of UW, and he's out there training guys. You know, you know, he was he was the strength conditioning coach when I was like when I when I got to UW, and you know, he was just obviously a, a legendary person, and he was just like, you know, Steve Itman is just like kind of star starstruck, and then he's like, oh shoot, this is my coach too now, so I got to listen to him. He's serious, so but it was like it was cool because it was like he, you know, just one of the guys and he had. He had his own team of guys with them that they're very relatable, very relatable guys. But then Willingham just said, got to go. He went to bring in his own, his own mm -hmm. staff, all brand new. 
So he got rid of him after it's like he got rid of him. But the weird thing was like I trained we trained with Steve Inman and his his staff until it came to camp time. So right before camp, then they all had to go. So it's like we had bonded during that summer of like coming into the you know season with these guys and then all of a sudden they had to go and he brought up these other guys. Weird. Yeah, so it, was, it wasn't like, it was always kind of like felt weird. Like it was definitely always felt off a little bit for me. And then, uh, yeah. Was it, so. was there like much distraction? Like, do you feel like, was there any like, um, like being the hometown guy, do you feel like that gate, there was more distraction and, and like, like pressure to live up to something that you felt at the time? It was more distraction in the sense of like going out and partying. And yeah. I knew you, so you got to go. I got to get access to everything. So that was a distraction. But pressure was not a problem. Pressure was it's part, of, part of life in the game. I feel like yeah. I've always kind of played well or didn't well with pressure or anything. And that sometimes is now that I'm an adult and everything, it was definitely a lot of unadded, unnecessary pressure on myself mm-hmm. as a young person, you know, doing doing things better or preparing myself more could have set myself up without the added pressure made life easier for myself but that was just part of the, the growing pains of you know you being in college and figuring everything out on your own and all that and that's you know in that way so you know it, it was it was learning i mean like i said like didn't appreciate school like high school stuff college it was like during it was during a time where it's like oh okay i'm learning some some stuff that i get to pick and i really started to hit home a lot of times so i was like okay it's good so the university aspect of washington was always great experience learning and doing all that stuff so got that you know sociology degree and everything like that so but yeah there's those times where distractions and stuff on myself partying a little bit too much staying a little bit more focused that definitely got in the way out with the with the kind of headbutting with some of the coaches well not headbutting it was just like just just not seeing eye to eye and just just not seeing eye to eye and yeah they weren't on the same kind of mentality as like they wanted everybody to be robotic and structured on military style you know like there was no he made all the all the polynesians have to cut their hair off and all that stuff like that and it's like even though and i was like damn and that they're going on like you guys are gonna do this that's your culture damn my, they pay me to go to school what do you want me to do i gotta throw scholarship bro <laughs> yeah know? yeah you know? so I mean, University of Washington, I feel like growing up in the 90s and watching them, there's always personality out there. I mean, right. I feel like all the good teams, great teams have some type of personality. You got to have some character out there. It can't be just robotic. can't be a robot playing out there. And I think that's what helped. That's what trained the team overall. Because we had talent on the team. There's guys on the team. My dad stabbed back and was out there. He was nice. Kenny James. Right. He was running back. with he was, we had, we had, Our old line was solid. We had some boys. We had the, our old line averaged like 6'5", bro, across the board. These boys are huge. I remember, yeah, they had, yeah, they had, we had guys. We just the plays and the and the strategy how that we play the game. Always we we like we get in the lead and then we lose. I remember, shoot, we went to Hawaii. I think my it was like my redshirt redshirt sophomore year. It's the last game of the season. We went up twenty one donut on Hawaii in the first half. Came back, ended up still losing to Hawaii in the second. We still lost. I was like, how do we lose? <laughs> Come on, man, like, what are we doing? So and and William he 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 knew he he knew football but he didn't know like the game of inches and he didn't know the game game he didn't I mean he had no business going to the defensive side of the field to try to coach anybody on defense but he was just over there but he stayed mainly on offensive side and 
practice his little golf swings. I always remember him doing that little shit up there in my field. And yeah, that's it's it's yeah. it's it's interesting to hear you say that like they were kind of robotic and that because it's like, you know, there's almost like this idea in my mind with like Bellevue, you know, and down set and everyone like, you know, yeah, like yeah. that's almost but you guys still had that like yeah passion and, Bush and let us come out here. Together. We were coming out here saying, you know, Trey, I remember my junior year, that was probably the most active times pre like going and walking out to the field. We were out here saying like or the bad guys, and we're like, like uh oh, and walking up and down the sidelines, you know, just, you know, walking through guys' the stretches and stuff like that, you know. Just, and he let us do that because I was just like, that's what we identified ourselves that year as a football team, you know. And he kind of just like, hey, we're winning, just roll with it. Yeah. And Willingham, he kind of was always kind of like, you know, he's like, yeah, if he had like a P, all the pieces on the table, he was really trying to, you know, manufacture what he thought was a a good student and a good football player. It's like mm. asking guys, I remember he asked me, I think it was him or somebody else. It's like, what do you want to do? Like, what's your goals in the next like years? I'm like, well, first I'm trying to get on this field and play. Second, I'm trying to get over a thousand yards. He's like, no, we're talking about life. He's like, we need about life. You're out here. I don't need another daddy, bro. I got a daddy. Yeah. You know, I don't need yeah. you out here trying to bother me up or nothing. I mean, I'm sure you probably had to deal with that with some guys, but I'm not the guy. And I think that that was a big thing for me. Like they couldn't differentiate, differentiate us from our personalities there's mm. always kind of like there's one 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 line across the board and you got to hop on that you got to hop on that train you know so interesting yeah that yeah. that i mean i it it's crazy too now that i think about it because you know i ended up transferring from university of north dakota after starting there for a little bit one year and mm -hmm. you know I, I look back on my experience and i'm like damn you know like 21 20 21 years old like the amount of of true responsibility you needed to have to be in you know to be in that position where like you know now at 30 i'm like damn i wish i could go back to call it you know being the leader i was a good leader but you know yeah, yeah. i like to i like to have fun i like you know like i like to you know <laughs> yeah. it's like football was my love and my priority but like there's still mm -hmm girls and parties and this and you know maybe like not watching as much film as i need you know like i look back on like mm -hmm. yeah like i could have probably done some more but at the same time it's like damn i was 20 you know i was 21 like mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't and then on top of that similar to you was like it was a very uh robotic like you had to you had it was our way or the highway if, if you know you yeah. asked a question which like it, it got interpreted as you being like talking back, you know, you? and yeah, how dare you? <laughs> I just wanted to know, you know, like, like you, I'm sure like, it sounds like, like, I, I like to know the why, you know, I'm not trying, yeah, to, yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to say we should, we're doing it wrong, or I think this is stupid. I just, so the way my brain works, like, tell me the why. And then that way I'm really on board, you know? And it was like, when some, someone would ask the why, which it was normally always out of the out of area guys, not the upper Midwest dudes who would ask questions. It like, you just kind of got looked at as like a problem. And it was like, no, like, mm -hmm. this is just how we've been coached and grown up. But there was, like you said, just kind of not the understanding of like individuality and you know, that, man, that, that's all it is, right? You know, maybe, maybe football now is almost going too much of individuality where like, we got to reel yeah. it back, but it's all about the cycles and everything. And so, 
no, I, I feel you on that where it's just, it's tough to, and I had, I coached back at my alma mater at D2, which, you know, even small time football, but then dude, it's scary to think too, like these grownups are putting their livelihoods in again, 18 to 22 year olds hands. And, you know, like yeah. it, it's, it's tough on all ends, but at the same time, as I look at it now, like the coaches in theory are the adults. They need to be the ones who can adapt and have somewhat more responsibility for changing things and being able to see things than the 20 year old. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you get to that, even D2 level, because these guys, coaches are getting paid. Exactly. They get paid five, six figures. So now it's more of this, more of I'm trying to keep my job more than I care about these, these young, young men. You know what I mean? They, they, they can sacrifice a couple guys and make sure they keep their job, giving them their six figures, even at, especially at the D1 level. I mean, there's guys coming in, players, guys, you know, they just didn't pan out. You know, they might have recruited them then, you know, so that's kind of like, oh, they're trying to put them to the side and not mm -hmm. put their name on that kid no more. You know, it's kind of like, you know, a little football politics, shady politics there. So, you know, it comes down to it's a job and then they treat it like, treat it like that and at the UW, it got heated towards the end of the my career there because that was like during the time when, <clears throat> right before they went on in 12, and you kind of feel it in the air, like the pressure on the coaches more so the players. The players are like, man, I'm, you got, I'm trying to play, I'm trying to win. Yeah. You, guys, you can start, in the, you can hear it in the voices of the coaches when we're on the field, like when they're yelling, like, get your ass over there. This is so, so, you know, a trap block right here. Like, calm down. First of all, it's like, you know, <laughs> like, I know we get, I know we, you know, it's a, a demanding sport but it's like bro you're screaming at the top of your lungs at this guy because he kind of took he took the wrong angle he's like you like chill relax bro it's like you know you're, you're like you're not the one out here i mean i know it feels like you're out here playing because you're the one getting paid and everything and it's your job but shit bro it's like you're not here on the field but that's when it started to feel like for me when it started to feel like that like towards the end of the towards the end of my first year it felt like that because i mean the first year our record wasn't that good and we think we won like might have been like 500 or something but yeah it's just you can feel the pressure on the coaches more so the players trying to get things done and then they add they obviously try it trickles down to the players and you can feel it in the players and people getting anxiety i've seen guys in the film room cry because the coach is grilling on them i was like damn i've never seen nobody tear up in the freaking film room Damn, like Before that. At the D one U D one, this is D one University. You got the here too, coach. Man, you know, stripes. You know, it's like shit, bro. Fuck this coach, man. What do you mean, bro? <laughs> like he's getting paid here. We ain't getting paid. Yeah. Walk out. This is you know, man. Like when it comes to university, like we're university students. We, I mean, technically, they pay for us, but university students pay for these professors that teach them. And it's like they, you know, gotta make them work for you. You know what I mean? But it wasn't that kind of, it wasn't that kind of ball. It wasn't that kind of situation of the coaches had all the power. And that was during the year. Also to add into another little, keep in mind, like before 2004, 2005, scholarships were full all four years. Now, oh, like guaranteed. during the time, guaranteed. But now then right when I got there, it was a year by year basis. So uh -huh. even more politics were involved and you can shuffle around and, you know, guys have to really think about their futures because they're like, oh, this coach, he might not sign me again next year. You know, I might not get rid of my, re my scholarship. So that was another added little 
and and that's something that's something the casual fan just doesn't get you know like it, it is you know like it is such a i mean high pressure business and high stakes and financial and all those things and and then your couple like again 18 year old 19 20 year old kids you got to take care of business in the class weight room constantly getting bitched at all this stuff playing in front of whatever i had they hated me in North Dakota. You go on like the forum <laughs> websites, they, they were just talking shit about me constantly. And I mean, I'm what? 20 years old, like kind of laughing at it, but just, obviously it fucked with me, you know, like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. It has to, I mean, sure. Especially at that level. Cause then it gets, it starts more, it's big. It's not your local high school paper. It's freaking it's in the, it's in the state. It's in the city paper. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you know, know, these, these grown men kind of talking crap about me and then, and then having right. to think in your head, like, yo, if I don't take care of business, then mm-hmm. some rolls around coach can say, Hey man, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go with you again for this next season. And you know, that ended up happening mm-hmm. to one of my good buddies who was like the third string quarterback. And like, mm-hmm. I think he was there for two or three years and then he just kind of never really panned out. And, um, you know, just that going into, I think, like his junior year or something, redshirt junior year, they said, hey, man, like, we're not going to give you the scholarship for this year. And so you could stay on if you want. And I mean, you know, yeah. they like, screwed you. For it. <laughs> he ended up staying there because he had a light, he let, you know, he had a life there. I think he had a girl there. You know, it was like he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of just got him for free then. And it's like, man, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that that there's some of that shady shit that goes on and I get it because it is such a business, but at the same time as like yeah, yeah. bring it full circle, like we got to just when you treat each other like humans and like do the right thing, like maybe, maybe it's going to, you're not going to get the best player, but it's going to work out better in the long run and you're going to feel better about it in the long run. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's tough. And so how then what was the the thought process with like central and then like going there? Cause then I, I, you know, like I like always hearing these stories. I went D2 after FCS, you know, I wasn't at FBS, but then, yeah, yeah. you know, so I always like hearing these, these like stories kind of. Uh, central is kind of the thing that my dad went to central. Ah, oh, okay. So my, so my dad, when he first came out of high school, he went, went to central university before he ended up transferring him to Wazoo and getting a scholarship to play at Wazoo. Ah, so, so yeah, that's kind of the connection for me. So he told me about the coach at the time. He was looking, and I want to. And being at UW, I mean, I I got <clears throat> minimal snaps, which was a, one of the most frustrating things in going there. There's just like, you know, now not being able to play. And I just want just to play the game. Just want to play. So I, right, I, you know, I'm tired of practice. I mean, Allen Iverson. I'm talking about practice. You know, so. So Central is one of, I could have Illinois the a lot fighting Illini, they wanted me to come over there, but I had, would have had to sit out of here because then because of the D one transfer rules and all that BS. So I was like, nah, let me just go Central and just play right away. So that's what I ended up doing. So go down there and play right away. It was first three games was good getting back and then kind of tore tore some ligaments in the ankle, kinda of had to sit out. Well, I played the rest of the season, but I was you know, I was limping around because mm. I just wanted to keep playing so bad. I was like, I'm not trying to <laughs> have any injuries slow me down or anything. Cause it's been a while since I got to play. Like, you know, 
full season of football. So I was just playing with that injury. It wasn't so wasn't playing at hundred percent, but I still had fun with it so it was so good okay gotcha and then when when, so when did you when did you finish up college then oh eight oh nine uh 2010 2010 okay and i 2012 i went back to uw to finish my finish up what i had there okay okay gotcha so i went back in 2012 so and so then i'm just now i'm just doing the timeline in my mind from that to 2014 and traveling in Dominican Republic and then that kind of like spark in the mind of like you know let me let me mm-hmm. see what else is out there but like what was that that time frame before what were you doing in in the time from 2010 to 2014? So 2010 like I said just finished up at Centro and then uh, finished up Centro then I started working for my with my dad and his company Okay. A distribution company with Allied Fuel stuff. Well, his company was called, the name was called Allied Fuel. So I was uh, opt on him, opt on there with him running that side of the business and everything. It was cool. It was in, that was another high demand thing because that was just gasoline. And those guys are just, just, just different, you know. <laughs> you're dealing with, you're dealing with like a freaking, you know, natural resource and everything. And it's like everything's very, like, you know, dealing with the fuel trucks and like, you know, making sure everything's on time, not overfilling, you pay a hazardous product, and you know, it's just like a lot of stuff. To, it was fun, though. It was fun to learn. So from that, from 2010, from Central to like 2012, I was working with my dad, and then I took a break with him so I could go finish at UW and finish there in 2012, and then went back working with my dad in 2013, pretty much, and then did that for a couple more years, but then I wanted to stop because it wasn't really wasn't really fulfilling when I was, you know, working with him was intense by itself. And the job by, in the job alone was also intense just because you're dealing with all this stuff and all this assurance. So I was, I was like, all right, and start to get a feeling for, I want to go help teach. So I went to go teach in Franklin high school from okay. 2014, 15. Yeah. 15, 14, 2014. Okay. Oh, so you are a history yeah, guy, just, huh? You really are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's history. It's, it's it's cool doing that. You know, it's pretty much. I didn't have my own classroom or anything. It was more of like an assistant role thing that for the, during the time, but it was good. I liked it a lot, and then I wanted like first thing I was thinking about, you know, as I was doing Franklin and help coaching there too, a little football there. And then by the time we got to 2018, that's when I was like, well, 2017 was like the first year I think I went to, no, excuse me, 2016 was the first year I ended up going to Thailand visiting. Okay. So during that high, during that spring break, that's a benefit of school districts, you get those uh, little holiday breaks. So during this, <laughs> that one week spring break, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to hop out there, let's go to Thailand. So that's what kind of sparked it off. And then I came back and I was like, oh, I'm going to go back again. But then never, it wasn't really, Obviously, wasn't really thinking like, oh, the first time I went out there, I was like, oh yeah, I want to move out here. So it took some time, but it didn't take it didn't take that long. It took a couple of years, and then 2018 rolled around. I felt the school. I'm not coming back. <laughs> coming back after the summertime, I'm moving there. Okay. What was like the final kind of like straw for your idea of like, yo, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Like, what was your thought process? Like for me, going to Portugal the first year to play like I, I kind of always knew I was going to play abroad um, 
Mm-hmm. And I, I've, t- I've told this story on here before kind of, but like essentially I had, I had offers in Germany and some of the better teams that were actually going to pay me a little bit, but I, I wouldn't have gotten yeah. to leave until six months away. I was kind of mm-hmm. just graduated working a crappy job at Bellevue Square actually. And, um, no, yeah. you know, kind of a, a, a ending college relationship, you know, that was struggling. And so I kind of like, just, I kind of went, was going crazy damn near. And I was just like, yo, um, I got to get out of this situation. I'm not saying you had something like that, but I just, in my mind, there was like a, a moment mm-hmm. where I was like, yo, I got to change something up for me. Like, did you have a, a kind of just like a, yeah. a moment like that? Kind of like an epiphany moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I had to say, I'm thinking, <clears throat> I mean, at the school, I mean, I, I mean, high school kids, they're, you know, they're intense, you know, growing up, I mean, teaching them, teaching them to those kids, those knuckleheads, man, I mean, especially in this area with the cell phones and stuff, man, it's kind of like, so I had to kind of like, but it wasn't really the kids, I was kind of, it was more, it was the staff and how the staff kind of intermingled with everybody, very passive aggressive attitude, just like the Northwest is, I'm sure it's like, I've got a lot of schools more so than others, but I think it was just like the passive aggressiveness that I got with the staff at the time. A lot of people are cool, but principal and everything, it was just like there's like hidden agendas, you know, they had their hidden agenda, especially the public schools, kind of like they're doing certain things so they could get more money from, you know, grants and stuff like that, like putting kids in AP classes. They have no business being in AP classes, but you're trying to get those numbers up so you can get the, get the extra money from, you know, state budget or whatever. Gotcha. So I've seen that seeing that happen and then 2000 after 2016 that's when trump got got into office so you kind of had that going around like you know donald trump's around you got him as president and everybody's panicking and at school you know seattle because everybody's pretty liberal seattle so (laughs) yeah you know everybody's kind of overreacting that's a lot of stuff but i mean some stuff they're reacting rightfully so but other stuff is just like chillax man i mean you're still still in america still a big old country and i guarantee you donald trump is never visiting seattle so don't worry about (laughs) (laughs) he has his place where he goes he ain't coming out here to the west coast don't worry well he did come to spokane i think but (laughs) seattle no go that's no go for sure so i mean it was all it was all kind of like a build-up from that and from that environment to school and kind of just growing up and me being living living by myself and i just kind of feeling like I mean, what else is there for me? I mean, I could go, I do want to go further with this school stuff, but I mean, I don't want to just be, I don't know. I felt like I didn't want to be stuck. That's kind of like the one thing I want to do. If I, could, if I could do this here in Seattle or here in America, I can do it somewhere else. I mean, let me try. So I'm like, let me just try it somewhere else. Cause this, I mean, here it's cool and everything here, but the attitude and environment, I mean, everybody's kind of freaking out before COVID time, but I mean, now, so I'm definitely broke, but I'm not there now. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on, brother, hold on, you're, you're, you're cutting out, hold on one second. Oh, yeah. Uh, hold on one second, that, I'm, that last sentence, you, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you good. 
Okay. Uh, could you just say the la that last one you were just kind of up and down? I couldn't, I couldn't hear you just talking about like, if I could do it in America and oh, yeah. Seattle, like I wanted to try the next spot. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's kind of the, the attitude here is kind of one of, once it's like, just kind of got to the point where I didn't want to feel stuck. I think that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. I didn't want to feel stuck here. And I was like, if I could do, if I could be stuck here in Seattle, I, could, I might as well just try to be stuck somewhere else in a different, different part of the world. I mean, like at least, at least it'll be a little different for me to like have to learn something different or do something differently instead of then just because it, it, it got to a root, you know, kind of like a weird just when I was at when I was in in my home in Seattle. I was like, you know, get up, you know, go to work, come back. He maybe he'd go to the gym, come back, watch whatever was on TV for a little bit, then go sleep, and then do the same thing. And then the weekend would come around, and like depending on what time of year, obviously football season. I'm like, oh, that's great, go to the bar, kill these guys. But and it felt like, uh, and a on a personal personal thing, it also felt like I was kind of all the close friends that I had in school, in high school, university. Like that time was kind of to start to stretch away from it. You know, people were starting to, you know be more distant so i was kind of like i don't what do i really i mean my family obviously i love my family and everything there most of them live in washington so but when it comes to like really like even even the family though outside of my mom my dad my grandma a couple other close cousins i mean i didn't those guys i didn't really see a lot i mean it's not like right. I, you know we didn't want to see each other we all love each other but it's just like it kind of just started to like I said, I started to get that distance. So I was kind of like, I don't really, I mean, I love you guys here. I'm, and my friends are still here, but I just don't really, I feel like I have not a lot of here for me. And I mean, I can always come back. I mean, it's not like anybody's going to be going away anytime soon or anything. And I can, you know, technology with planes and be, you know, just a hop, skip and a jump back. So I was like, you know what, man? I mean, everybody's doing their own thing. I'm about to go do, just do mine. Everybody's kind of separating themselves. And so I was like, I'm going to just separate myself hella far away <laughs> <laughs> a true a true separation yeah <laughs> true. Like, I mean, i'm not trying to be like i'm not trying to be like i right, not see somebody and all and the only reason i'm not seeing them is just because i'm not getting my car driving 15 minutes across i-90 and it's just because they're not that far away you know that's what it be that's what it was coming coming down to it was, you know, it was like there's really no hostility no beef with none of my friends it was just like People are just kind of doing their growing their families at the time. You know, a lot of people are getting married. You know, some people are having kids. And I have people that live like, you know, down the street almost in Madison Park area that I play football with. It's one guy, one one uh guy named John Coombs. He he's mm -hmm. he, he was a great player at Bellevue. You know, he was living down in Madison with his girl. I mean, I could have been and I go to a bar right where they live, but it's not like I'm going over to his house and knocking, like, hey, what's up, John? You know, what yeah. are you doing? It's like I mean I probably could have, but it's like you know, I didn't really feel like, you know, you know, so, I mean, the only times they had, so it's pretty much the only times it was like really fun for me during football time, football season, go to the bar, drink at the local bar and mingle with people there. But after, so, after a certain got, time, you're like, is, is this, is this it? You know, is this, 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 this is it? Yeah. And it's been, it was going on for like, yeah, from 2012 when I moved to my house in the city until like right up to the time. So I moved to Thailand. There was like that four to five years where I'm just kind of like, you know, and that kind of like death, death loop routine kind of thing. I'm like, huh, it's like, let me catch myself real quick before I keep going further. I mean, this is cool. I'm comfortable. This is nice. I mean, I got my house, job, you know, it's here. I love the area. Weed's legal now, so I can just smuggle in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that's probably, that's probably like a blessing in the curse. That's probably what kept me in the routine is in the death cycle. <laughs>
<laughs> you know. So, yeah, straight up. Yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, as as you can see, I, I've 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 smoked some weed in my life, and uh, and <laughs> I've I've really cut back in the last year or two, just because, man, I end up like, I mean, I I, I just don't end up doing something I want to do more, you know, like yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. you get comfortable, which isn't bad. It's sometimes necessary during this lockdown. <laughs> shit. It was yeah, nice yeah. to <laughs> just get high for a week or, you know, like it was good yeah. to just chill out. But um, yeah. like, I was wondering too, like getting back to Thailand now we're coming full circle. Like, mm -hmm. like I know for me out here in Czech Republic where English isn't great. I know you said there are some asp uh, expats where you're living. Like, how often mm -hmm. are you getting to talk with a like a native English speaker? Because, like, this is a thing I've really enjoyed doing the podcast with. Because, like, <laughs> I don't get it, and you know, like, you I'm sure you it. know, like, your English almost like gets worse. Like, you still can speak it perfectly, but you know, you yeah, start. Yeah speaking more slowly and you know like oh, yes. just because I'm, I'm a communicator i, I don't want to just talk to hear myself i mean i like to hear myself but mm -hmm. i want other people to understand me so like how often are sure. you speak with a native english speaker well i mean every yeah i mean i still see them like there's like a place i have to go to to hang out to play pool they, they, it's an australian bar guy, okay like, guys australian so okay they cool speak english, you know they got their little aussie accents which is always fun but yeah yeah when it comes to like i guess english when it comes to the american sense like i don't i rarely see even before the corvid happened i mean i really saw america a lot of americans out here i'll see them like once you know blue moon kind of thing but now that it's like corvid time on you see well they're all but, i know where they're all at they're all training and stuff in muay thai gyms but yeah i don't really speak to anybody with the american accent yeah no i mean and uh, this sounds bad that some like when i'm traveling and when i'm out like if I'm staying at a hostel or something and I hear, you know, the, the typical tourist bro come through the hostel about, oh, yeah. you know, hey, we're going, you know, cataloging every place he's been and this, you know, just doing them like, oh, let me mm. pretend I'm Swedish. You know, let me, I don't, I don't want us to, I don't want us, to, I don't want us to like, this, you know, like I'll tell it because I don't know, like part of me was just personally like, you know like we said in the beginning, or like I said, I'm out of the US for kind of a reason, you know, like, it's not like I'm anti American or anything, but like, I necessarily don't, I don't want to have that bro conversation that would be at every bar you go oh, yeah, to yeah. in Seattle or, you know, wherever you are. Man, man, yeah, especially in the, in the, in the, in the Seattle and like the whole university area all that shit too growing up the bro stuff and the fraternities oh my god <laughs> yeah i'm definitely appreciative i mean i'm ha i mean uh, it's always good to hear like, I'm like, oh, I'm like i could tell if somebody if somebody's american yep. like, speaking english here because now i've heard so many versions of english too because you have the british and like i said the australians out here and people from new zealand so you hear they have even with the english you do here still it has an accent to it and they use sometimes they do different phrases and words too so it makes it a little different but yeah, so when somebody opens their mouth, I know they're out of all here from America. Some, you know, can even call, even have fun with that. Call where they're from too. Sometimes, unless they're from the West Coast, and it kind of we kind of blend in with each other with our true how we speak. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm happy. But in the beginning, I was happy when I first came out here. Like the first couple of times, I was like, hey, I really don't see too many Americans. Like, this is cool, man. I don't have to worry about you know, I feel like I you know 
extra special. The only American <laughs> too around here too. They got American. I'm the exotic. Americans exotic now. We exactly. We exactly. Like, oh, you from Thailand? That's exotic. Oh, you from Brazil? That's exotic. Like, no, I'm in Thailand. I'm the exotic one now, motherfucker. And I'm black too. Oh yeah, you guys. Are. They're, they're used to black people. It's surprising they're used to black people out here because they have a lot of French black people that come to Thailand and okay, and families like that, and even people from Africa. Those Africans come out here try to hustle and stuff. So they're they're different. They approach them differently. But I'm, I'm black American. They're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. Oh. You guys, you, you you come a long way. So you got <laughs> something going on with you. You know, they know they're already on it. The 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 the, the Thai word for tourist means like money pot, like it's a translated. <laughs> It's like, like money gold or something gold tour, like the, the Thai word for tourists. It's hilarious. Do you, do you experience any like uh, like racism type of shit or like is there how is that in comparison with anything uh, back no, home? Or? No, it's funny to see the Aussies or the English guys complain about police doing the little shakedowns on them and stuff. They're like, I just don't understand. They're out here. They call me Fodang and all that. I was like, oh, you know. And, I mean, I just look at him like, yeah, well, you know, I can tell you a little something about that. <laughs> you know, for me, I mean, it's like, I'm like, I mean, they, they, they take me down too. The Thai police, they don't, they, if you're foreign and you get to the checkpoints, especially during like certain areas at night, mm-hmm. they'll have little checkpoints or little areas they'll post up at because they know people, if they're traveling this far from the bar stuff, then they're going to come and see if you have drugs. That's the only really thing they want to see, catch you slipping on with like drugs or anything. You know, there's a lot of Russians, like I said, there's a lot of Russians and different type of expats out here. So obviously everybody's, not everybody, but many folks are probably dabbling in like <laughs> stuff like that. And I always, for some reason, I always know where to, where to find stuff like that. It's not, it's just, it's part of how I, how I live. I always trying to find the weed and obviously weed is attached with other stuff. And, you know, they yeah, because weed's like, pretty illegal weeds. there, yeah? It's illegal, but it's like, I guess like their prostitution is illegal too, but that shit's like a fucking... Uh, big business out here too <laughs> yeah right just, right you right. just can't get caught you know you just can't get caught really with a lot on you trying to travel or if you are trying to do it you gotta go to like they call it any bar that's like a reggae bar it's like mm. weed and so they pay obviously under the table to the police to turn a blind eye but and you can buy weed at the reggae bars you get like grams a few grams of matter there for a, for a good price and you just gotta make sure you're not traveling all the way around phuket with it you'd be all right gotcha and yeah. h- how is it how good a bud is it because seattle i mean it's cool seattle yeah, I mean, spoiled we're spoiled over there yeah, yeah for real <laughs> i actually have some oil some weed oil that i've had for like a year and a half just because i don't have the, the cartridge and the uh-huh. pin don't connect with each other i was like so I've, there's a had an adapter piece that i had lost so i got like four or five oil pins and i'm just like can do nothing with them <laughs> and i've always tell myself to call my mom or tell somebody to send me one over but then i just get the weed here then it's good it's good enough i mean it gets you it gets me high so i just get high forget <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that's good enough that was that's yeah, funny yeah, so. yeah I, I, when i when i came out here i i have a little pen and once the cartridge ran out it was you just kind of look at it and you're like well i don't know when i'm gonna see that again you know and then but then ironically the the italian dude i said i randomly met in the corner store in barcelona Hmm. he owned a dispensary in barcelona or like a coffee shop or whatever because it's like in between legality there and (laughs) um you know we were talking and i said hey man you guys have cartridges and i like brought my pen over to his house one day and he was like yep 
I was like, I got that. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay, nice. cool. And so I ended up, <laughs> yeah. I ended up getting a cartridge right before I moved out here, which was like a blessing because I had to do, uh, because of COVID and because of like passport stuff. Like I took the bus from mm -hmm. Barcelona to Paris, which is like 12, 13 hour bus ride overnight. And then yeah, yeah, Paris yeah. to Prague, which is like 14, 15 hours. And so yeah. like, if I, I got to sleep and I mean, you know, the pen doesn't really smell. I, I was on the upper, top, top, yeah. top, top <laughs> you know, the up top of the, of the bus. So no driver, yeah, nothing no it's all dark. Oh, it's yeah. night. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, I need to go back to sleep. Mm. you know like it worked it was cool it's nice yeah <laughs> the technology that is beautiful For i remember real. the first time i i was in uh i think it was like one of the first times i was coming to thailand and we had a, a layover in uh korea south korea and south korea airports they got these little smoking room areas okay and i was there for like three four hours and i'm like and i see people that have i see they have pins obviously it's not the weed pen they have like an e-cigarette so i'm like hmm I'm about to be, I'm about to risk it. I'm about to go up in here because they got, because you go in there, they got, it's really well ventilated. They got the vents up and down the room. You go in there, these people are smoking. They're chain smoking. Yeah. You go in there and you really don't smell smoke like from people that are just smoking. I'm like, oh, these guys are smoking out here. Packs and I still can't smell it. I was like, they definitely ain't going to smell this little yeah. cherry flavor thing right here. <laughs> you know, some shit like that. So I'm just hear my thing, start looking at them, trying to smell. I was like, oh man, I just got high in the South Korean airport. Let's go. <laughs> you know? I, I've done the same thing. Right I, <laughs> I forget where I was at too, but exact same thing where I was walking by and I saw that exact same smoking room, like mm. the light bulb, you know, goes off and you're like, yeah. I got a long ass layover, you know, <laughs> let me yeah, chill. Yeah. Let me chill. Let me chill, man. That's awesome, bro. Well, hey, from the pens. Yeah, the I mean, and the funny thing, speaking of the pens, is like you know, because I mean, I was a I was a stoner in high school, major, and and all had had friends kind of like looking down on me at time. You know, I, I always could take care of business, and um, it yeah. was always after. You know, I've never I could never play, you know, high or nothing yeah, like that, but. Yeah, but it was funny in high school, kind of the, some of the homies that like looked down on me and like the last couple times I've been back, maybe two, three years ago, those same dudes, we go over to somebody's house, watch a game or dinner or whatever. And it's those same dudes that were hating on me or literally like, like <laughs> the pen is like attached to their hand, you know, like, like they don't like let it go. And I'm like, you know, and, and I've like came full circle where I'm like, I, I don't really even smoke that much anymore. And they're like, oh, no, I, you know, like, are you sure? Here, here, have a good. I was like, I only need one. I'm good. And they're just sitting there yeah, killing it. And I'm like, you motherfucker. Like, you judge me so much for this. Hell yeah, man. That's such a, such the irony, especially in Washington. I growing up in high school, getting in trouble for that shit. And then I remember I got, even in Central, almost got in trouble for some weed. And they're like trying to give me a ticket or make me go do community service. And I'm like, what? Oh, and then like a year and a half later, they literally legalized it. I'm just like, yeah, the the um, amount of people and the amount of trouble it's caused people in order now just for the government to make some stupid bread off of it is insane. Funny, 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 funny how yeah. life works like that. The hypocrisy. But wrapping it up, bro, because shit, we're we're going for a while. Um, what would you, uh, you know? 
people always kind of ask me how I'm doing what I'm doing. And I never really mm-hmm. am able to exp- I'm never really able to give too much advice because like my gig right now revolves around football. And so like, I, you know, yeah, just yeah. to the random person who doesn't play, I can't be like, uh, yeah, make a europlayers.com profile and play football. And you know, <laughs> like you're past that point, but like, Mm-hmm. Uh, you're out here doing it like on your own solo like little business teaching like what would you because I have a feeling sorry my questions get real long when I ask them I said no, right, um, no you know I have a feeling with how the U.S. is going right now there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. more people in the next five to ten years that are going to be looking for what's out there you know and and how yeah, to how to live point. a life like you said see what's out there because I know what I'm doing in Seattle. I know I can always come back. Like, how, what would you give advice to somebody that's like trying to do what you're doing, like to just get started? I would say, you know, find something that they think they can do, you know, you know, look for those opportunities. They like, some people think like, oh, I can't work out there. How can I work out there? You know, first you got to do a little research. I mean, I would say go visit a place that you're thinking yeah. about moving to. Go visit if you can, if you have the, if you have the funds to do that but i would say you know look into something that you think you can do in a a different country that you you might not think you could have i mean like there's so many things out there i mean i feel like you have to tell people to get creative with themselves i'm like look i'm like what do you do now i'm like i don't know i deliver packages i'm like well you could come to thailand they got this carry express here i mean you might have to obviously you got to get familiarize yourself with the area where you're going but i would just say just i mean I think a lot of people are don't count themselves as smart as what they think they are. I mean, we all like to go out there and figure stuff out. I mean, you might be a little scary at first, but the language barrier and things like that, but you know, technology translate, you can figure it out. So I would say visit, visit, visit somewhere that you're thinking about moving to then, you know, just, you have to get creative and think of some ideas where it's like, all right, all right, how can I manage, manage some income? And then once you, I feel like that's the biggest thing. Cause it's like, people want to go want to move everywhere if they could but they're like how, how do i how do i make money how, how can i can i how can i eat how am i gonna eat exactly so, i mean just get creative with that idea and not too far because it's a different country and language barrier i mean you could probably bring something to the table themselves to the country you know opening up a shop or doing a business there you know and then putting other people on out there you know i always thought about bringing an idea of like coaching seven outside of football at the Thailand, you know, they have no idea about, I mean, they know football, make football, but they, you know, never tried to play like seven on seven. I feel like that's a great new way of, of getting people into football because it's football is not a pick up the ball and go play kind of thing, you know, like basketball or even baseball. So I think seven on seven would be a good, a good introduction, but I think it's, a, it's up to the individual. You have to go out there with a little, with a little light, uh, kind of carry fear with you yep. and just be creative with yourself like all right if i can't bring something there what can i do there i mean and once they figure out how to make some money or how to eat then i feel like their life becomes a little easier but you know but i feel like fear and then putting yourself in an uncomfortable position to make yourself comfortable i think you gotta you gotta try it you gotta do it yeah no, if you... that's what you want if, you, if you're trying to be happy i don't know for real no I I think you hit it on the head too is like you got to be an individual to also you know Mm -hmm. and that's that's I I think we're 
I said it today is like, man, I, I love individuals and I'm starting to hate people, you know, like just because yeah. of the, the, the group think, you know, is, and, um, it's, it, it takes an individual to, to go do what you're saying with the language barrier, all that stuff. So no, that's, that's cool. I appreciate that. Any, any final, any final thing on your part you want to just put out there that's been on your mind or anything you want to get mm -hmm. off your chest, anything? No, maybe just to continue what you were just asking about, like, what would be my advice? I would tell people, I'm like, don't look for, it's hard to teach, give advice because it almost feels like you're trying to teach somebody how to live. And mm -hmm. I was like, you can't, I mean, you got to find out how to live for you, you know, live yourself. I mean, there's so many different ways to live in this world, you know, and I feel like, you know, people who want to look like, oh, what is everybody else doing? What are you, what are you doing there? What are you doing there? I'm like, I could tell you what I'm doing and everything. You could try to copy and mimic it, but I mean, I don't know if you're just doing it, just trying to sustain and trying to live just to get by. I mean, and you're not living. You got to go out there, do what makes you want to, what makes you passionate and happy, whatever that is, whatever that is, you know. Ah, you're, you're cutting out on me. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Like, okay, now you're good. Sorry. Okay, no, yeah, no worries. But yeah, you know, trying to get advice from somebody to the like, or tell them like, oh, how do I, how can I do something out there? It's like, well, what do you like to do? I mean, like, for that to happen, I gotta know about that person that's asking you, you know, like to do and all this other stuff, and then. Yeah, you that on the counseling you have counsel your gotta counsel yourself a little bit and go out there and find yourself. And I think that's like part of the thing I could probably give advice to everybody. I'm like go out there, find you find yourself, look inward first. That's my new thing, man. Look I'm a big I'm a big thing of like the ancient philosophy, a lot of these books. Like I like that one book called Ancient Ancient Secret of Flower of Life. Okay. Talks about ancient geometry and all this other stuff. And yeah. it's just kinda like looking within yourself, you know, because and that's how a lot of things are made in the universe. Like if the universe has to go within, then it expanded out, you know, the big bang and all that kind of stuff. So if you look inward in yourself and you're true to yourself and you can find that love for yourself to be able to put that love to everybody else, then the answers become easy because then it just opens up for you that you're like, all right, I'd, love, I'd like to do this and this. So I can, maybe I can figure out how to, you know, put it in a business business format and go out there. Then I can live, I can live you know, wherever or wherever I choose to be. So that's my new philosophy on on life is like looking inward, not being judgment, judging anybody on, on the face value till you get to know them. You got to judge them on their merits, not on their face. You're kind of just and trying to, before you can place judgment on somebody, place a little love on that person first. And like, I try to put an inward perspective, try to get what they're feeling. If we don't, we don't agree with it. Just like, all right, this person hates, it's this type of person. I wonder why. Maybe there's some other, it's some internal things. So I try to give people more benefit of the doubt than anything nowadays. So that'll be my last thing. That would be my last little message I could put out there. Man, that's beautiful. That's, I, I, I we're going to have to do it again because once you hit on the universe, oh, yeah, you, got, you, you got me, you got me <laughs> wanting to ask some more questions, but I always try and cut it at about hour and a half, too, just because. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel you, man. Yeah. But, but now that, two, now that we I mean, I got... say what 
I said part two for sure. We do it again. I got ancient geometry. I got that tatted on the back. I mean, I love that stuff. We can get deep on that. Hell yeah. No, that's, that's something I'm just kind of starting getting into and, you know, ancient sacred geometry, that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that whole thing. So yeah, we can, we, we got the story. I wanted to get the, the, the J.R. Hasty story down right now. And then, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. then we can evolve into the, the story of, everything <laughs> everything yeah right on <laughs> or and shit man hopefully i mean like i've been telling you all my money for travel is going towards asia and so like my original plan was this my original plan was i was going to be in asia right now you know like this at this time uh, of how it was going to all work but you know and so man shit maybe I'm hoping by my net, my season in Finland will be over mid September. So I'm hoping by next time this year, I'll be, I'll be out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I got some oh, homies yeah, in, in Bangkok and yeah. Coquette that I made. And, but now I want to travel. I mean, I've heard about Phuket. And so now I got the connection out there. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. hope, hopefully whether it's, it's uh, part two or part three, we can just do it in person. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be better. That'd be better. Yeah, person's always better. Heck yeah, man. Hopefully that comes down. We get these vaccines or whatever. Get this stuff calmed down so we can travel some more. So yeah, I'd love to do that. For sure, brother. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you giving me your time, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, brother. Talk soon. Alrighty. Take take it easy. Much love, bro. Peace. Living for a living, baby. How you doing? <laughs>